Hi everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 201. Hooray! Hooray! Hey! We're playing Fiasco again. No? Fine. They're not, I didn't sure. tell you guys I'm about it. Down. Bust it out, let's go. <laughs> Glasgow Noir. <laughs> yes, uh, we are back after our epic fail, if you want to call it that, or, or our epic fiasco. See what I did yeah. there? Uh, of episode 200. And uh, we're back to normal business, which is uh, talking shit about games. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Mike, and as always, I'm joined by Kieran. Hello. And Paul. Hello. Yes, the, the, the strange voice returns. Oh, and a cat, yeah, but the the cat will come in later. Uh, they, they don't uh, meow on cue, unfortunately. They'd be good for, like, role-playing games, and then a beast entered from the north. Meow! That's pretty good. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, we've got quite a few uh, video games to talk about, and uh, some board games as well. Uh, some of the, the games we played in between, or before playing uh, Fiasco. So we'll get to those. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, talk about some video games. Cool. Kieran, you have been playing a shit ton of stuff. Um, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so, uh, you picked up a new game for the 3D, uh, 3DS. I've oh, got 3DS in the brain. Uh, on the Switch, uh, Skyrogue. Yeah, so Skyrogue is a roguelike kind of, uh, but it's a kind of flight game. I don't even know what to compare it to. It's like a really kind of arcadey, um, a kind of arcadey shooter where you're flying around the plane, shooting down other planes, um, over these kind of randomly generated islands, and it randomly generates like enemies for you to fight and uh, missions for you to do. And then mm -hmm. after you've done those missions, you can either keep destroying enemies and you get more money for it. Or you can return to your kind of helicarrier that you land on and get money for the stuff you did and use it to upgrade your plane. And so you get different weapons, you can get different planes, and it's kind of cool. It's um, It's got two different modes for controlling it. So one of them is uh, where it locks the, the rotation of your plane. So is like super arcadey so you can you know go up and down and turn left and right uh but then there's what they call like the simulation mode which is a bit of a misnomer because it's not really simulation at all but it's a bit closer at least where you right. have full kind of um i guess it'd be your yaw that would be i'm never good at those terms for those things but you can like you can turn your plane and do sick tricks and stuff but then also you're more likely to just crash into shit because it's harder control um, right okay <laughs> which is it's good i am really liking it so far actually it controls really well like it plays super super well it's really fun just to fly around and shoot stuff down um my one issue with it so far has been that it seems kind of repetitive like there's not it randomly generates islands and stuff but they all seem pretty samey and there seems to be there's a decent amount of different types of enemies like they all have different names for types of planes they are but they don't seem to actually 
do much differently. Um, but I am enjoying it so far. It's good in kind of short bursts where you just want to, you know, fly around and shoot stuff. Like, I think when we recorded 200, there was a moment where all three of us were sitting looking at Nintendo eShop, looking at the glut of space shooters, flight shooters, and, you know, what other kind of flight games we could see that were coming out for the the Switch. Some we, of us yes. bought some. I think we all bought different ones is the end result of that. <laughs> Looking at the list here of games we have coming up to talk about, you haven't even put your one on there, Paul. But Mike I has have put not on played enough. Of, I have not played enough of it to consider putting it on here yet. That's fair. Um, so far, I quite like Skyrogue. I think again, it seems maybe a bit shallow, but the core gameplay of it is really fun, and I really like the art style as well. Like it went for this kind of really kind of low polygon like early arcade look where it's got kind of for the most part a really solid 60 frames a second really fast um you know like you know the sega thing that when sega was doing all their arcade games back in the day they had their like their blue skies initiative where you know basically they had a bunch of games that had bright blue skies and it was kind of one of the defining things you know like outrun and things like that um yeah it's like that it's bright it's colorful it's really simplistic because of you know everything's really low polygon but everything just looks really sharp as a result and moves really fast so yeah i'm like super into it um yeah i just wonder like i've not to be fair i say it's shallow but i've only kind of played through the first like four islands or so um and they've all been very samey so it's definitely possible that after that point it kind of maybe changes up a bit but I can't say for sure because I've not actually got that far yet. So, right, we'll need to see. Um, but yeah, so far I'm enjoying it. So it's Skyrogue for Switch. Um, I think it's also on PC. I don't know if it's out on other consoles. Um, it also it's probably worth mentioning. It had uh, some issues at launch that seem to all be fixed now. Where it had like a bug that it would just crash during the loading screen, um, which was quite prolific um actually i was talking to someone about it like online and they mentioned oh yeah have you encountered this bug like it causes it to crash during the loading the loading screen and i was like on a tram playing this game and i put it down to respond to them and i was typing like halfway through typing my response of no i've not seen that at all and then looked down and <laughs> it was still just a loading screen on my screen i was like yeah no i've seen that that happens <laughs> as it turns out <laughs> No. Um, but they, they patched that and it seems to be fixed now which is good um, they also patched some of the frame rate stuff because it had some frame rate issues um, I was weirdly encountering like the opposite of what most people were having because a lot of people were like the frame rate's really good when it's docked but then we play it portably which is where I was playing most of it they were like the frame rate has some depths but I had a completely right. solid frame rate when it was not docked and the moment I docked it everything got really jerky so I have no idea what's up with that. Um, but it seems pretty solid across the board now. The last patch seems to fix some stuff. So, yeah. Um, I recommend it. It's it's a fun one. Maybe wait for a sale. Cool. But, yeah. Also, it has motion controls. It has a thing called Danger Zone Mode, which is right. motion controls, which I've not messed with at all because they seem mental. Um, I feel like you said that wrong. Uh, I think it's something something Danger Zone. Yes. Um, 
There's You said danger zone entirely wrong. Danger zone. Um that's the way I do it. It's it's good. The danger zone controls seem weird, but so I've not actually tried them yet because like one of them I try to actually load up the little tutorial thing for it. Um like one of them is uh like an acceleration and one of them you hold like kind of vertically like a, a joystick basically. And use it as like a little flight stick, basically, which seems right. I I have no idea if the Joy Cons are accurate enough for that to actually work well. Be kind of cool <laughs> if it does, uh, like a little kind of makeshift flight stick. But we'll that'd see. be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. I'll try it out for next podcast. But please I do try it again. I um, would like to hear about this. Yeah, uh, I will try and remember. Uh, Mike, you have also yes. been playing one of the many flight games on the switch because you bought yes, I have, yeah. galaxy on fire which is yeah, flying so high it's in space <laughs> it is yeah so Manticore galaxy on fire is it's a port like quite a load of the switch games it's a port of um originally it was a mobile game yes um and so the galaxy on fire there was actually uh, there was three games, I think it was, and Manticore is the the console version of Galaxy and Fire Three, mm-hmm. which I downloaded because it was a free to play game, and then proceeded never ever to play it. <laughs> I think I might have done the same actually, because I think I downloaded it when I got my my iPhone for the first time, because I think people were like, "This is a really pretty game that'll show off how good the screen looks on the iPhone," and then I never played it. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's uh yeah it's a space game and you you know you have your ship and you're going around shooting things it's i'm trying to st- still be enthusiastic about it because there's some of the things that i do like about it and some things that i'm not too keen on the the game is still very much it has that feel in terms of the control anyway of it being a mobile game uh, so what i mean by that is the controls are pretty much dumbed down you know so they they have uh, transferred the the movement of the ship to a you know your your left joystick so it controls the the pitch and the roll mm-hmm. of the of the craft and then your acceleration your thrust so your boost and your brake is on the right stick up and down uh one one of the shoulder buttons is your cannons the other one is the <clears throat> excuse me your secondary weapon so your missiles or whatever it is you have and yeah that sounds pretty standard but it just feels cheap is maybe the best That's word for it it just yeah it feels it doesn't feel like, you know, normally any of the flying games that you get is just missing something. Um, the game is still very enjoyable. Uh, stunning looking. Looks really good. Uh, it's just... Yeah, I'm playing it as I'm talking to you right now, and it just feels slightly off. The movement feels too easy. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess so. You know, where you, you, you hit left or right on the stick, and... It just moves just too easy. There, it doesn't feel like you're piloting something. Feels um, like it could be on rails. Uh, 
No. Not quite that easy. I don't know. It's no, no, not that that easy. It just feels a bit strange. Um and then the, the difficulty level of it, so you've got four or five missions, sort of beginning missions, and you know, you go off on these missions, you've got little briefings of what you're trying to do, and that's fine. Then you get to the mission that I'm on right now, and it just decides, all right, okay, you know how to play this game. And it makes it one of the most difficult things <laughs> to play. They've um, they put the, the enemy AI in, and I think they've tweaked it a little bit because they attack more... You know, like you're used to playing when you're playing one of these flight sim games. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're coming in from the side. They've got enemies. Uh, they've got wingmen, and the wingmen flank you and things like that. And you know, it comes up the the it comes up on screen. You know, if you're uh, taking enemy fire, fly away until your shield regenerates. Uh, you can roll left and right to avoid missiles and things like that. And yeah, you can do it, but you can't do it to the effect that you'd need to. Again, it it's, comes with this kind of feel of the cheap controls. Yeah. They they do everything they're meant to, but they just stop that little bit short. And I don't know. I don't know if it's me, but yeah, there's just there's something with it. Yeah, uh, it is. It's good. There's a lot of things to do in it. You, um, once you finish the missions, you end up in this little area of space and you've got your spacecraft and you have like a little drone. And the drone scans the area and it kind of points itself in the direction of where there might be something you want to find. So there may be items so you can upgrade your ship or there may be uh, other items so you can build an, an entirely new ship. You know, so there's a little bit of space exploration in between these bar- cool. parts. When you're tired of that, then you move on to the next section. It says warp to this star, and the next part of the story comes. Basically, the story and the way that it progresses is basically it takes you to a new set of map, and it's space battles. And, you, you know, through the course of the story, you may need to uh, fly to various beacon points in the game, and then all of a sudden a boss will show up and you you know you do space combat with the boss defeat the boss that's that chapter done you move on to the next chapter um and in that way it feels a bit like the old wing commander games yeah that's what i was going you know there's like, compared to yeah like the pre there's, there's mission based point- ones yes yeah you know it's point to point missions fly here take out a couple of things then go here take out a couple of more things now here's the big baddie you have a little bit of a space battle and then move on to the next one and it's that part of it which I, i'm really enjoying and why i still like the game and i'd probably you know if you've if you're looking for a space game space combat games there's not many of them mm-hmm. um i would say this is worth a look um and <laughs> I'm just thinking now, maybe the reason that the controls are not 100% is because maybe I'm behind on the upgrades. Maybe I haven't went and done all the upgrades because I've only done upgrades once. Yeah, could be. So, I'll, yeah, it could just be that I've done something stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... <laughs> actually, that's probably what it is. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, go and check it out. I think it's not too bad. Is it round about the fifteen pound mark? I think. I think that's right. I think Skyrocks a similar. Price yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for something, it looks a, a it's prettier than than Skyrogue. Wow. Then, wow. You know, it wow. is. I mean, you're not wrong, but wow. I really yeah. like Skyrogue. Sorry. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you're looking for more, you know, kind of realistic sci-fi environments, yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely go that way. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, Paul, do you want to tell us about some Seven Deadly Sins? I shall. So, for those who don't know, I think Kieran does, but you might be not as knowing of it, Mike. Um, Seven Deadly Sins is uh, an anime that pretty sure um it's pretty big in japan but it was ported over to an english dub for netflix two years ago uh yes right okay i know what it is but i didn't play it um so i watched the full first season of the anime and then second season came out start of this year uh and then i i, I seen this game was coming um so, Seven Deadly Sins, Knights of Britannia is basically just that. It is the story of the anime that they have turned into a fighting game stroke brawler. So, it controls like a fighting game, very much like uh, Dragon Ball Z games. Right, okay. Um, so, it's very, yeah, so it's very like jumping in the air, loads of flying around, zipping around, power moves, magic powers, shooting stuff across the map. Um, and that's in the battle mode. Um, that's fine if you're fighting someone else and it does play like a fighting game. It plays like a 3D fighting game where you've got loads of space. Yeah, that's kind of where a lot of these anime right. games have been recently. So like the the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game that came out a few years ago, uh, the Dragon Ball games being a slightly more kind of refined version of it. Um, yeah, was it um, John Paul Stars that came out. There was a fun one that I yeah. played a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, was that the one that... that had the the One Piece stuff on it? Yes, I also had the giant dog from Gintama, which was overpowered. I think there's a video somewhere on Facebook of. Uh, me playing that with Nathan and him just spamming that dog over and over so this giant dog just keeps knocking my characters <laughs> over over and over and over. It's the worst. It's the way to do it. Just spam Kieran. It's the way to do it. Pretty much. Um, so yeah, so battle mode's fine. Um, I've played a little bit of that uh, just to, to figure out how the game played realistically. And then I jumped into story mode expecting the kind of cutscene into fighting game style thing cutscene into fighting game style thing and was pleasantly surprised that that is not what it is at all um it's much more so it's the same fighting game style moves but the story mode follows basically the exact same story as the anime um legitimately the cutscenes could literally just be cut from the anime and th I think they are that's cool um but when it comes to the actual fighting, it's kind of more like Dynasty Warriors. Huh. Right, okay. Um, where you're 
you've got all your fighting game moves and you can do your jump up in the air and fly around and zip around, but you're fighting massive waves of enemies until you get to, you know, a boss enemy for each level and you fight him and you battle him and you advance the story that way, which kind of really surprised me. I, I, you know, I was expecting a full-on, hey, this is a fighting game, here's your cutscene, here's your, here's your battle, here's your cutscene, here's your battle. But that's not what I got at all. Um, so out, out with of each mission, you go back to the boar hat, which is the pub the lead lead character owns. Um, and within that pub, you are gathering intel on where other members of the seven deadly sins may be, because you're trying to collect them up again. You're the leader. Of- you're the former leader of the Seven Deadly Sins, and you're trying to get the team back together because the Seven Deadly Sins were the protectors of the king before they were disbanded for something they didn't do. And you've got a box, and Morgan Freeman wants to know what's in the box. Yeah. <laughs> um, right? No, 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 not at all. This, oh, I didn't watch this uh, anime. So apparently. yeah. So the the, the whole. The whole thing is you following the story of him trying to collect up the seven deadly sins. But depending on what rank you get at the end of each mission, so you can go from you know D through to double S. Depends on how well your gossip rating is for the pub for that evening, and how much gossip you gather up in the pub determines how quickly you can find the other seven deadly sins and advance the story. Right, so is this like chat up mode the game? <laughs> no, no, you like you don't actually talk to anyone. It just gives you so when you get an A ranking you'll get like sixteen gossip points and then you'll two or three little characters will pop up on the screen and it'll be people talking in your pub. That's bizarre. That's kinda cool. Um it's, it's pretty <laughs> it is pretty cool. Um The other thing about Seven Deadly Sins, I'm ruining some of the anime if you haven't watched it, is that hentai. this pub Oh no, sorry. it's not. My uh, this pub sits on the back of a giant pig. Hmm. So the pig buries itself when you go to each area and the pub sits on the ground. But you can move your pub around on the back of this giant pig. That's kind of good. Is there like an overworld that you can like physically yes, move around? Yes, you good. can physically move around the overworld as the pub on the back of the giant pig. Yeah. And that's how you move around from town to town and area to area to within the map of Britannia. Which is the area this is set in. Um, so yeah, no, it's really fun. Um, it has all the characters there, including Hawk, who is your um, pet talking pig, who has magical powers. Of course. Not the not the giant pig. That's Hawk's mother. The one that has the pub on it is Hawk's mum. Hawk is the one that lives inside the pub with you and eats all the scraps from your terrible cooking. Hmm. You can actually play some missions as Hawk and fight people with, like, rolling as a pig and kicking dirt in their face and stuff. Terrible character to play as. Do not do it. I just looked up. Hawk's an adorable little pig. Yeah. That's one cute pig. Hawk is awesome um, if you've watched the anime or played the game. But no, it's... I'm really enjoying it because for story modes, I'm getting to play through something I enjoyed watching anyway. And I got more of a game than I expected. I just thought it was going to be, as I said, full-on fighting game. But it's not. It's more Dynasty Warriors-esque or what was that brawler that came out 
a good couple of years back where you roamed around the city. Yakuza. Uh, no. No. What? That's also Yakuza. Um, um, it was big within the fighting game community. Yakuza. Um, <laughs> you know. and Yakuza are going to get punted off this podcast and never allowed oh, back. Oh, no, Yakuza will be coming back later in this podcast. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I, probably I can't remember it what well it was called before. either. It was on 360, um, so it was a good while ago. One Piece. Uh, but no, it, it kind of reminds me of that, or Dynasty Warriors, where you're fighting waves of enemies and they respawn in, and you oh. know you get your your rankings and stuff. Fuck, I just I know what game you're talking about now, and I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, it's been annoying me for like. It was the sequel three or, to um, three or four to, days to Mad so. World from the Wii. Oh. Uh, well, it wasn't uh. actually a sequel, but it had the same main character, basically played the same bit. It was on the that's the one you're thinking of, right, Paul? That's yeah. Had to do with the, the chainsaw. Yes. Um, yeah, that is oh indeed the one God. I'm thinking of. Uh, but anyway, it kind of plays a bit like that, or a bit like Dynasty Warriors in the Star Wars story Reigns. modes. That's the chap. That's cool. I might take a look into this one. Although um, I've got too many anime games coming up. If you're into anime fighting games or kind of Dynasty Warriors styles of games, I went to both. That's got like a really fun story, and it's you know, standard anime fare, this is a game for you. Definitely is. Even go watch a couple episodes of the anime before you pick it up. If yeah, you enjoy it, you're to going to enjoy the game. That is as simple as it is. It is a good game that they've built with a nice overworld that ties entirely into the story of it. And it's for fans of the game. It's the, That's cool. There's no other way to put it. If you're, it's for It's for fans of the anime. Um, if you're not a fan of the anime, I highly doubt you're going to pick this up. Fair. Yeah, I'm probably going to get that right. anime watch. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So much so that I'm renting it and I might actually buy it to keep it because it's going to take me a while to finish because there's a lot of content in there. I think I reckon I've sunk about 10, maybe 12 hours into it now and I'm nowhere. I need to get Because I'm doing, through... like... Sorry. Uh, you go into the overworld and there's just like, oh, here's like this random battle and this random battle and this random battle and here's a test your skill thing and here's a test. I'm doing all of that instead of proceeding with the story mode. I'm like, oh, let's go and do this. And then it turns out you're fighting like a super powered knight or something and it took me three hours to beat the sods. Nice. Right. Cool. Um, but no, really good game. Uh, there is level progression. You can advance your magic and stuff. You can upgrade. It's got slightly RPG el- elements to it. A uh, little bit of everything thrown in there. Bit of brawler, bit of fighting game. Haven't tried the online yet, online battles. Um, don't think I will because that's not my kind of thing. Yeah, fair. But thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it, um, and certainly one I'd suggest for Kieran because he likes that kind of game. Yeah, I need to watch that before. Cool. Thanks. All right, so I'm gonna fling something at both of you that I know you've both played, and I'm tempted to buy because I watched both of you play it. Yeah, because it's sex. Let's go, right, Mike? I know you love this game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about a good game, Kieran. It's called Swim Out. Man, yeah, this looks great. Oh. Uh, Swim is also great though to be fair. Um, I think yes. Mike's actually played more of it than me at this point. I think Mike played more of it when he was here. Did you bu- end up buying it after you left Mike or did you just put it on I here? Did, I did, yes. Okay, yeah. you've definitely he played more than me then. bought it when he was sitting there. I didn't realise you bought it. Um, yeah, no, I bought it as it was <laughs> sitting. Yeah, I 
Mike played more of this than I did when he was sitting here when I passed it to him to see if he liked it or not. And he played <laughs> through like two worlds worth of levels. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, Swim Out is a swimming game. It's a puzzle game um, where you're trying to swim out of a swimming pool. And yes. all the swimming pools are different designs. And there's a bunch of other people swimming and they're all very rude and not very aware of their surroundings. So you have to navigate your way through and it's like it's grid based so every time you move a space then basically a turn passes and different swimmers move in different ways so some of them will move one square like the simplest of them every time you move a square these guys will then move a square after you and if they crash into you you drown and die i assume i don't know it doesn't really yeah you start over again yeah basically you start over again um and you want to work your way around them to get out of the levels. And the levels are all neatly designed, so you're trying to navigate them in a way that is kind of an efficient use of turns, but also, you know, make sure you don't crash into anything. And then as you get further on, there's different swimmers that swim in different ways, so there'll be some that, you know, basically do a length, and then they'll sit on the side of the pool for, like, three turns. Then after that third turn, they will go super quickly across so they'll move like a couple of spaces every turn I think is what they do, I forget, they move really fast um, and things like that but Mike has probably played more than me so he's probably seen more of the variations than me so <laughs> yes, yes So uh, once you get into the later levels in the game it adds various things so you know, you move and then they move um, mm. is basically the way that it works and then you've got various pickups that you can you can use to get you across and it changes the puzzle of each of the levels so one of the ones you come across quite early is like a beach ball yeah that's the only one i've seen so if you pick up the beach ball you can use it later on and what it does is it stuns one of the other swimmers and it will stun them for two or three turns which also seems like perfect um, yeah <laughs> and then it allows you to you know uh, navigate past them or swim past them there are you, later levels you get to uh, there's uh, what do you call those the pool noodles yeah is that oh, the right thing I don't know yeah, if that's no, the that's, right name but I know what you mean yeah that's the right name pool yeah. noodles Damn noodles. yeah so you um, you have uh, one of the, the swimmers and they have a pool noodle and what it does is it blocks off three lanes <laughs> so that each of the, the puzzles is done in like lanes, you know, and there's little squares, you move a square at a time. So now you've got somebody that has a, a, a pool noodle and he's swimming. And sometimes you will have other swimmers, just normal swimmers. And if um, any of the red swimmers, or the, the AI, if they ever crash into each other, they wipe each other out. Okay. So what you're doing in that that case is you're getting the guy pool nude to swim into the other swimmers and everyone disappears and it clears a path for you. So you're then, uh, the puzzle in this one becomes using the AI uh, against itself. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other play, uh, other AI that jump into the pool and they, you know, so there's a countdown timer on them and it counts down three, two, one. So you've got three moves, two moves, one move, and then they dive into the pool and they'll swim three blocks at a time. So you have to know 
how far away to be from them so they don't swim into you and knock you off and get you to start over again. Mm-hmm. So the puzzles, it's using the AI more and more and it advances the AI each time. I think I'm on the third world on the 10th level. Jeez. And it's really good. Um, yeah, really, really, really clever. Good. Yeah, it's... I think it was Paul that looked at it for two seconds and turned around and said that was kind of like Hitman Go. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's, what, like it's, it's, it's yeah. a lot like those games. And that's not a bad thing because those are damn good games. Yeah. yeah. Um, so each level has, or each world has like 50 levels in it. Mm-hmm. And just looking, there are eight, nine, yeah, eight there's eight levels and or well, eight worlds and each of them has 15 levels so you're getting your your money's worth i think it was four or five pound as well yeah and it seems like there's quite a lot of content in it. yeah um, it's also it on is... iphone worth mentioning i've been playing on switch oh okay um it seems like it would work perfectly like we said it plays a lot like hit mango so it would yeah. definitely work yeah. fine with the touchscreen because that's how that game worked yeah, it it does feel it, it feels quite natural using it on you know like a, a joypad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than a touchscreen, I haven't tried it on the touchscreen on the Switch. Uh, yeah, but, me neither. I assume it works. Yeah. You you would imagine so with it being originally an iOS game. I just tried it. It works. There we go. <laughs> Testing okay. on the scene. Live testing, as we see, it works. Yeah, uh, but really good game. The it's kind of got this. There's not really music. It's more like atmosphere and ambience. splashing water and cr- yeah, ambience. That was the word. Uh, but it works really well. Best atmosphere category, game of the year, 2018. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Goes to <laughs> swim out. It's like I was in an actual swimming um, Less <laughs> screaming kids. Well, what we should do is we should get in touch with them so we can put that quote on the box. It felt like we were actually in a swimming pool, glitch free gaming. So if they ever do a game of the year box, <laughs> a physical version. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I played this and I was fucking soaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, uh... just no. No. <laughs> Whole flat smell uh, of chlorine afterwards. Oh, <laughs> so good! You, this game is so good. You want to run a bath and pee in it? Nope. <laughs> nope. Too nope, far. Too far. Uh, <laughs> I swim out is very good. I, I enjoyed it. Definitely recommend it. And damn you, Kieran, for showing it to me. Yeah, I kind of knew. I have not purchased it yet, and I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, it seems like yeah. more of a Mike game. Like when, yeah, when I bought it, I was like, Mike, uh, it like is this. cool. I think it's because you've been playing. <laughs> you've been playing a bunch of Slayaway Camp at the time, and I was like, Mike, if you like Slayaway Camp, you'll like this, which is basically Slayaway yep. Camp, but nothing like it. Yeah, I've well you'll probably notice as we start talking about more and more games, I just seem to be playing a shit ton of puzzle games at the moment. Everyone goes through Um, puzzle game phases, I think. Yeah, but it's 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 not like something where I've actively went seeking them out. Yeah. 
Um, except for one, I'd really fancy buying it, so I bought it. But yeah, Swim it's it. strange. Yeah, but uh, moving on, uh, Kieran, do you want to tell us about Tesla versus Lovecraft? Do I ever? Um, <laughs> I don't do. It. Uh, so, well, maybe. Maybe. Do you guys like dual joystick shooters? Like, um, my mind is blanking. I play a lot of fucking dual joystick. <laughs> like Hell Divers. It's not. It's not Hell, really a I, lot like Hell Divers, but it's a, that's a game of that genre. Right. Geometry Wars. Was there anything? Uh, the what was the zombie one? Oh, um, Dead Nation. Uh, Dead Nation. And Alien. Nation. Dead Nation and Alien Nation. Alien Nation yeah. was a lot better. I keep. I've been thinking a lot about Alienation recently for some reason. So I may go back and play that before the next podcast. Um, cool. Tesla vs. Lovecraft is a dual joystick shooter from the guys that made Crimson Land, which was a very popular oh, yeah, okay. PC uh, dual joystick shooter, but they also brought it out on other things, but it started out... It was on PC for ages before it came anywhere else. It's very good. Like they, It's up there with like some of the best in the kind of genre. Tesla vs. Lovecraft is there in your game where you play as Nikola Tesla. And you right. are using your power over mechanics and technology to fight against abominations brought forth from the Elder Gods via Lovecraft. Because H.P. Lovecraft has decided he's fed up with humanity and he's brought forth Hellspawn to wipe everyone out. That was nice of it. It is. And it's really goofy and silly. Um, There's not a whole lot of story. There's a little bit kind of story in between the levels. There's a lot of levels in it. Like, there's a big level select screen that goes across like multiple worlds and it's pretty massive. Like, there's a lot to do. And each level has different... I think there's three different difficulty modes, which is like not just uh, enemies take more damage kind of thing. Like, it's different waves of enemies. um, Different drops and things like that. And then there's another one that's basically just an endless mode for every single level, which is crazy. Like, a lot of them reuse the same maps, but still, like, you'll get endless modes based on uh, the waves that come in that that level, for example, or that version of that level, which is just a cool idea. And then there's, like, boss fights and things like that as well spread out throughout. It's, like, surprisingly in-depth for, you know, kind of one of these kind of, like, really arcadey dual joystick shooters. And uh-huh. uh, it's got some cool ideas to it. So basically, you start as Tesla with just like a little pistol shooting enemies. And as you progress through a level, uh, enemies will drop other weapons. So you can get different weapons. But you can only have one weapon at a time. So you can lock in the weapon okay. you want. You can lock in the weapon you want so you don't accidentally pick up any other weapons. And there's like there's pistols, there's Tommy guns, there's shotguns, and then there's like kind of Tesla versions of weapons. There's like a Tesla shotgun, which is like a slower but more powerful shotgun, that kind of thing. And all right, okay. You also get upgrades. Uh, basically, you'll level up throughout the course of a level, and it's just per level. So after you finish the level, you'll be reset back to zero. But you'll level up and. Every time you level up, you'll get given the option of one of two upgrades, which seem to be somewhat randomized. Um, and there'll be things like 
you know, do 5% more damage or shoot 5% faster, etc, etc. And then they all stack. So you'll level up quite a few times during some of the longer levels and by the end if you've dumped all of your points into, you know, shooting fast, then you'll literally just, as you hold the button down, be firing infinite bullets <laughs> super, super fast. And it's pretty awesome. Right. Um, and then they roll out more mechanics as you get further on. So you get these kind of permanent upgrade resources that you can use to uh, unlock different things as you go through. But the one that you first get to unlock, which is kind of forced on you by the story, but you'd kind of want, is you unlock a mech. Yeah. Because it's Tesla, and Tesla was well known for making mechs. Um, of course, yeah. So you get a mech that um, basically is just like super powered. It just has a way more health and it shoots like out of two giant Gatling guns on the front of it. So you just mow down enemies super quickly. But it's Sounds terrible. It should have two giant Tesla coils for electrifying people. You know, it's the way the upgrades go, I think that's probably one of the later things. That's, that's, probably, <laughs> that's it. I'm sold. I'm buying That's probably it. a safe bet. I like genuinely really recommend it um it's really fun the graphics quite nice it's got a nice kind of art style that's got that kind of eldritch kind of you know gothicy feel um the the speed of it's really good like it's just so fast paced you're just in there's tons of levels in it but most of them are relatively short so you'll jump in you know fight a bunch of waves of enemies and then jump out again it's really good for that so it's really good as a portable game which i think is always a benefit for a Switch game, because even though it is also, you know, a fully-fledged console, you know, you can take yeah. it with you, so it's handy to have that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, the mech stuff's really cool. The different weapons and different upgrades are really cool. There's also, like, a bunch of um, side weapons that you can get, so they're just things like you get a sword, so you'll hit a button and you'll, like, swing a sword for a kind of melee attack. Or all right, cool. You get one that slows down time, so you can just kind of like bullet, you know, bullet time your way out of there. Uh, if you're surrounded by enemies, by default you also have like a dodge that's like a little short range teleport kind of thing. So you can kind of teleport yourself way out of things, but it's got like a really long cooldown, so you can get upgrades to shorten that, so you can just keep zipping around the level constantly. Um, so yeah, it's got like a ton of stuff in it. And it's just fun. It's just fun to shoot stuff, as it turns out. Cool. Um, definitely recommend it. Uh, I quite like those kind of fast-paced arcade games, especially on the Switch. And I think it's definitely a good fit on there. So it's definitely worth picking up. Crimson Land is also on the Switch. Um, I've not played that version of it, but that's also a very good game. So probably working. Uh, also the music and... Tesla vs. Lovecraft, which I think you guys heard when you were over. I think you guys you guys saw some Tesla vs. Lovecraft when you were over, didn't you? Uh, yes. yes. I think yeah. so. The music is so good. <laughs> like, it's got, like, these kind of the guitar riffs and stuff like that that are just over the top and silly. Um, especially when you get your mech. Like, the music just goes nuts when you climb with a giant mech, as you would kind of hope that it would. Right. Yeah. Um... And there's a bunch of quotes from like HP Lovecraft and stuff like that on loading screens, some of which I'm pretty sure are not true, because <laughs> uh, as mental a human being as Lovecraft was, 
I feel like some of these are just jokes that they put in and didn't put HP Lovecraft in. But then other ones sound like they probably were. So who knows? Um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Tesla vs. Lovecraft. It's also not super expensive. I'm pretty sure that one's also cool. only like 15 quid or something like that. Maybe 17. Um, it has co-op, right. but I've not actually tried the co-op yet. Uh, I think it's just local. But that seems like it'd probably be a fun way to play that game. So yeah. Um, cool. Speaking of games with co-op, Paul, you've been playing some Far Cry Five. I have, but not co-op. Sod the co-op. <laughs> the co-op is literally <laughs> the only reason I would ever buy that game. Um, I bought it on day of launch, and I have not regretted it yet. It's so the last Far Cry they made, which was Primal. Um, yeah. Primal was okay. Uh, before, yeah, that was being generous. It was Primal was okay. Um, before was that, before that, Far Cry Four, I thought was flipping. After, after Far Cry Three, um, which I thought was just amazing, Far Cry Four sucked. It was terrible. You're I really insane. didn't like it. Insane. You're insane. It sucked. It, it was, was terrible. just a better I Far really Cry didn't 3. Like it. No, it wasn't. You're crazy. The cat. It 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 was. It th- that's the problem. Better. It was Far Cry 3 rehashed with a shittier bad guy. Oh, I disagree with that entirely. Um, and it just was <laughs> so not terrible. as good in any way, shape, or form. Far Cry 5 is a definite return to form, in my opinion. Um, You're crazy. Absolutely. Great story. They've put a decent bad guy, actually a decent set of bad people in this one. Um, Crazy cult leader and his family, in inverted commas, because they're not actually his family, he just calls them that. Um, Absolutely stunning, amazingly huge open world. I've spent more time fly fishing in this game and trying to compete in fishing tournaments than I have liberating anything of this world. Okay. Yeah. Tell you something about the world then. Yeah. Um. Not no, worth it, saving. Actually, I mean, it's just America. It, no, <laughs> it, it it tells me nothing about the world because I'm thoroughly enjoying the story, and I'm like, oh, you know what, I I'm really not into finishing this yet, so I'm gonna go fly fish for four hours because it's fun. And compete in a right, fishing okay. competition. And after that, I'm going to go on a turkey hunt. Or a bear hunt. Or, you know, whatever. Um, and earn some credits so I can upgrade my weapons. And not get my ass handed to me by some mad cultists next time I go and try and do a bit of story. Because it does get hard. It gets really flipping hard. Um... At the point now where I've kind of unlocked a helicopter that has Gatling guns mounted to it, so I've made my life a little bit easier. That would make your life easier, just in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, makes fishing a lot easier, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Fish never knew what hit them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm... I, it's just... It's a wonderful open world. It's great. Story's fantastic. It is a return to form after what I felt was disappointing in Far Cry 4. 
Kieran, your opinion is not valid here. We're talking about my opinion. <laughs> your opinion is objectively wrong. No, I can understand like being disappointed with four just being more of three. I didn't yeah. really like Far Cry three that much. Was kind of why I liked four so much. Like they basically fixed the things I didn't like about it. Like I thought just the core shooting in three was a bit rough. I didn't like the world that much, and then the setting of what four I, was more interesting to me. What, what I've come to learn about myself is though. I like games with shitty shooting. That's that's fair, I guess. I like. I don't. Let Let's talk about all the games that I actually thoroughly enjoy. Every one of them has pretty crappy shooting. Every one of them. A lot of them. A lot of them. A lot of them have pretty crappy shooting. Um. So you know, I'm just thoroughly enjoying it, working my way through. Unlocking all the companions, so I'm currently running around with uh, a dog. You got a dog as your companion. Have you got the bear yet? I, I have not, because you've I've, been using I've, the bear. I, no, I'm actually I, I could have unlocked the bear about two or three weeks ago, actually, what? but I haven't done it yet. But the bear. Um, bear. I mean, I've got I've got a mountain lion. I've been using the dog and the mountain lion in combo. That's pretty good. Wait, let me check. Hold on. I need to. I need to go to Google here. Here's uh, called cheeseburger. Is a mountain lion a bear? Like Google says, no, it's not. Mountain lion's not a bear. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Paul. You're. Oh well, a mountain lion isn't a bear. Or who? Who? Who, who would? <laughs> Entirely different animals, you idiot. <laughs> who? Who would have guessed? Uh, <laughs> is a mountain lion called Cheeseburger? No, the, the bear is though. Yeah, I know. The bear seems like the best um, part of that game. The actual the, the mission to go um, get him is to basically collect him from a fast food restaurant because he's escaped from his cage. That's pretty good. That's probably what uh, I would do have... if I'd been kept in a cage. If I had to escape, I'd you'd probably find me at like KFC or something. I haven't done it yet. Um, I'm actually just about to hopefully do the mission where I get Herc as a companion. Herc? Yeah. I don't know who that is. Was that, he was in the previous games, wasn't he? Yeah. He's he, the, he the, the... Flew the helicopter in 4. Yeah, Herc's the guy that the second person always goes oh, in multiplayer. I hate him so much. Don't do that uh, mission. Just leave him. Fuck him. <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't need that in your life. Um, so I'm, I'm planning on doing well I'm doing that because I'm kind of out of story missions at the moment yeah, sure. um, so I'm doing some side stuff I need to level up before some sto- more story stuff unlocks do you still, do you shall still we say do you towers in that game um no there's no tower climbing that's an improvement there's no tower climbing there's no zone unlocking like that um you find scattered pieces of maps around uh, in random places and those unlock um, those clear bog of war okay. or you can buy those like with credits from the store it's up to yourself um, so you can basically like if you do enough side missions and get enough money um, you can unlock the entire map from fog of war very early on but I think you can just travel there if you want anyway yeah, uh, you can. It doesn't matter if you've unlocked it or not. You just can't see any of the fast travel locations if you haven't unlocked the Fog of War. Is more or less what it is. But, um, depending on which way you go, very early on you're going to either get a plane or a helicopter. 
And you can fly around and kind of unlock most of it doing that. That's cool. Um, I will say flying around very early on is not easy because, damn it, are the skies full of enemy helicopters and enemy planes. <laughs> That's kind of good because that was kind of one of the issues with 4 was you get a helicopter pretty early in 4 and there's nothing they, they really do to deal with it. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, the skies are freaking full of enemy planes um, because they took over... Basically, you're you're in a full county in Montana. They took over the um, the county's airport, and it's basically just they run a full fleet of really high end fighter pilots out there. Apparently, because sure. you know every cult has high end fighter pilots. You know, you'd be surprised. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying the story. Um, one of the characters, the bad characters, is a woman who produces, oh, I can't remember what it's called now, but basically it's a drug that gets everyone stoned out of their face. And when you're fighting her, the entire time you're fighting in her area of the map, you're walking through the wilderness and there's just poppy fields everywhere. And you walk through the poppies and you get stoned. Of course. And it makes shooting really flipping hard. I think every one of the Far Cry games has had that. Since yeah, two, so three. Um, because three had that uh, level where you're burning the the weed farms, the weird weed yeah, fields yeah. with um, well, I mean, the first... shitty Skrillex song playing over. It. Man, yeah. The, the first thing I the, the first thing I did Fucking when um I found those poppy fields was go spend the money to purchase a flamethrower and burn as many of them down as I could. Yeah, get that good high. <laughs> um so yeah no i'm thoroughly enjoying far cry here's the thing if you like far cry 3 if you like far cry 4 um if you're insane and like far cry primal you're probably gonna enjoy this cool um beautiful stunning world you can get lost in many games i once did get lost for six hours trying to complete a five fishing challenge of catching the biggest catfish in one of the lakes. Yeah. Six hours. That's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of time in Far Cry 5. <laughs> a lot of time in Far Cry 5. Um, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I will probably pick up at some point. It's just... I'm not a massive fan of those games. Even 4, which I like the most, I wasn't super into. See, I love 3, and I love the whole premise of this. I love the, I love how on point it is with like religious cults and taking over and stuff like that. Mm. Um, it just seems very, very close to the bone and very, very on point in the current world. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Cool. Cool. That's, that's, that's as much as I have to say on it. Great game. Go get it. <laughs> All right, Kieran. Let's talk about one of the games that you enjoy. <laughs> um, how, how's that Yakuza 6? Uh, Yakuza 6 is really good. It's um, the 6th Yakuza game? 7th, 8th? There's been a lot of Yakuza games. Um but this is their first like made for PS4 game in the series, 
So like okay. Zero and Kiwami came out last year, but they were using the same engine from the PS3. Uh, okay. Zero in particular, I think Zero was originally a PS3 game. Um, the PS3 version didn't come out here, but in Japan it did. Uh, I don't. I think Kiwami was only on PS4, but it was you know the same engine. Um, so Six is like their first. They redid the engine stuff, so it looks really nice. Um, a lot more modern. They added physics to everything, which they didn't really have before. So there's a bunch of just random kind of physicsy things everywhere. Just little things like you can, you know, there'll be a bike rack with a bunch of bikes there, and you'll just walk up and knock them all over, and that's always pretty funny. Uh, enemies uh, ragdoll now and they kind of they respond to where you hit them when you hit them so if you like sweep okay. if you sweep their legs it will trip them up in a more kind of physics-y way that you know makes more sense than the previous games okay um, it's I found that stuff a little bit buggy at times sometimes you will just hit someone with like you know a, some kind of item that you pick up and you'll just hit them with it, and then they'll just go spinning through the air out of existence, which is funny, but not the most realistic use of physics in the world. Um, but, like, the core part of what makes that game, or that series really good, is still there. The story so far is really good. I'm not super deep into it, because I've been doing a bunch of the side missions, but the kind of gist of the like start of the story is uh, Kiryu, who's been like the main character and pretty much all the games is an old man at the age of I don't know, he's in his fifties or something. He's not actually that old. He's getting up there, but he's not, you know he's not an old man. But he also doesn't look that old. He still looks like a relatively young, completely ripped dude. And there and everyone keeps referring to him right. as like it's that it's that video game thing where everyone keeps going, ha, yeah, whatever, granddad, we don't have to take you seriously and then you look at him and you're like, fucking look at him. Come on, <laughs> Jesus, this man could rip you in half. Um, but basically, he in the last game he got out of the Akaza, but it kind of came out like publicly that he was, you know, this big Yakuza hotshot, and it ruined the kind of career of his adopted daughter. So he decides to go to prison. Like he hands himself in goes to prison for all the crimes he committed, hangs out in prison for a few years, gets out, and it's like, alright, clean slate, I'm out of the AXA, not got the police after me anymore, everything's great, where's my daughter? And then he starts, basically, start that game as you walk around going, where's my daughter? And people are like, I don't know. And he's like, where's <laughs> my daughter? And then you finally find her, because she's been hit by a car and she's in a coma in hospital, and she also oh, has lovely. a new baby son. And you're like, where's my my daughter's boyfriend? And basically, the gist of the game is you're trying to, like, you're traveling around trying to find, one, why she got hit by this car. Because Kiryu instantly assumes it's some kind of conspiracy because, you know, he spent five games fighting against the Yakuza or being in the Yakuza fighting against other mobs and stuff. And he's like, clearly one of them went after my daughter. Um, and also trying to find out who the dad is of this kid because the adoption agency threatens to take the kid off him which is a really good scene where you have this kind of guy this adoption agency guy coming up going well this kid's going to get put up for adoption because you know they, the doctors don't think that 
you know, your daughter's ever going to come out of this coma that she's in after being hit by a car. And Kiryu's like, but I'm her, I'm her guardian, so I should be able to look after her kid. And they're like, did you ever actually fill any paperwork to, you know, legally become her guardian? And he's like, what? <laughs> what? I was in the Yakuza. And he's like, that doesn't help your argument. You can't, you can't just go, I was in the mob... And that's why I should look after this innocent little child. <laughs> so. Yeah, that doesn't sound like the best argument I've ever heard. It's quite funny. Um, there's a lot. It's got a good kind of sense of humor to it. And one of the things I can appreciate about it is it, it feels like this is very much. I think they announced it as well. Like, this is Kiryu's last game. Like, they're changing up the characters after this. And. It's kind of, in a lot of ways, even though you know bad shit's happening to him, it kind of feels like a victory lap for him, where in the previous games, or at least the previous ones I've played, which is Zero and Kiwami, Kiryu has kind of been like the kind of upstart coming up. No one takes him super seriously, even though you know it's a video game, so you beat up you know half a dozen dudes at a time, which doesn't make any sense. But it's a video game, and it's kind of just explained away as being. You maybe didn't actually beat up those, you know, 12 gangsters. It's just a video game and we need to have more enemies for you to fight. So that was kind of it. Whereas in Yakuza 6, people directly reference it. So Kiryu beats up like 12 people and someone will like run into frame and be like, Jesus Christ, you just beat up 12 guys. What the fuck? And they <laughs> like basically treat him like some kind of superhero, which is fair because he kind of is. Like... You will just be smashing your way through like dozens upon dozens of guys and they actually kind of reference it more than they have in previous games and they're just like, you're some kind of like insane madman that is capable of, you're basically like the Hulk, you're capable of like wiping out just, you know, tons and tons of people and it's pretty goofy and fun. So I'm enjoying that a lot so far. There's two different areas in the game this time. There's Kamurocho, which is the one that's in every single Yakuza game. And yep. I forget. Onomichi is the other one, which is in... Uh, oh, fuck, I forget where it is. It's another place in Japan. It's like a harbour city. Um, which is where my favourite of the side missions has been so far. Because it's a thing in a lot of places in Japan, and particularly like smaller villages, stuff like that, to have like a kind of mascot for your town. And in Onomichi, there's a side mission where Kiryu has to dress up as the mascot for the town, which is this terrifying monster man that has a giant orange for a head and has like a ramen bowl for a hat. (laughs) And he's wearing like fisherman boots because they're a fishing town, so you've got to represent the fishermen. And it's like the weirdest thing. (laughs) And there's like really bad puns that I wonder how well they translate like he seems to be saying it in English so I guess like they're you know all the voice acting is in Japanese in this game and it's just subtitled but you know sometimes he'll speak English if he spoke English in you know the Japanese version because a lot of people speak some English in Japan but there's like puns to do with it so like he goes to Onomichi and he um like when he's in the mascot costume and people introduce themselves to him, he has to say, Nice to meet you. <laughs> and when something bad happens, he has to say, Oh no. And it's 
the goofiest, dumbest thing, and every time you do it, like the camera zooms out slightly and pauses as he just stands there in a pose doing that, <laughs> and everyone kind of looks at him like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And sometimes there's like some internal monologue from Kiryu being like, "I was the fucking leader of the Akaza for a while. What what is this? What am I doing?" Um, <laughs> it's really good. Um, I highly recommend that game. So far, I don't think it's quite as good as Zero, but I don't know. It might pick up a bit in the later parts. Uh, but I think I like it more than Kiwami, at least. So, yeah. It's a really good game. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool. cool. That's Sounds your good. Yeah, it's half hour. I'm probably not going to pick it up, just personally, but... To be fair, the sixth one's probably not the best place to jump in. <laughs> so, Zero is definitely the best place to jump in if you were interested. And Zero goes for really cheap now as well. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, Mike, continuing the puzzle games you've been playing, you've been playing more Picross? Yes. I have, yeah. So, I find Picross, it's it's One a bit of, of a brain games. burner. Um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about what it is and how you play it, because we spoke about it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but, it is. It can be a bit of a brain burner because um, it is sort of a form of Sudoku when you think of it that way. A um, lot of logic, but I've been finding it quite relaxing recently. Yeah, I, think that as well. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, so I've just been playing that. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, weird. So I've been playing it uh, on my commute on the train. Uh, I am now on. Uh, the last puzzle that I finished was number 129. Um, and what I've found I've been doing in some cases is I'll start a puzzle and I'll get so far in it. Mm-hmm. And my, you know, I think I, I'm not too sure what to do. I don't use the, the so there's a mode in Picross that you can play where you can highlight the numbers and they will turn blue if you're on the right track and they'll turn from blue to black if you make a mistake. Yeah, I Yeah. I turn that off. I've never used it. Uh, but I do like the hint relate. You know, so I'm not... Oh, but uh, something to start off with. Yes, yeah. I always need that little something just to start me off. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, there's sometimes where I think, right, I'm going to do it without the hint. But yeah. I like it with the, the hint, but it's fine. And so I'm getting to a point where I'll start a puzzle and I'll run, I'll hit a, you know, just hit a wall because I'm not using the the kind of blue hint thingy. And so I'll just save it because what you can do is you can either quit a puzzle or you can stop. If you stop a puzzle, it saves your progress. And you can do that on more than one puzzle. So currently I've got one, two, uh, I've got <laughs> six, seven, eight puzzles. I can't do that. That I've kind of, when I've I, stopped the progress. When I start I a puzzle, I need to, to just do it. I Yeah, I kind of got like that. And then what I was doing is I would hit a brick wall and go, right, okay. And I would quit it. And then I found, you know, there was one puzzle where I was redoing it five times uh, because, you know, it's not something you can remember is all the patterns where everything goes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so <laughs> I've been having fun on that. I'll 
you know, I'll pick a new one and attack that and finish that. And then I'll think, oh, you've done well. Go and tackle one of the other ones. And there's sometimes where I can go back and it makes sense and my brain's kind of thinking that way and I can solve the puzzle. Or what I've been doing is pretty much what you were saying, right? I'm going to, I'm hitting a brick wall. I'm just going to wipe it and start again. Yeah. That's usually what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you use the check the check for mistakes option as well? Um, I don't know. I've not played in a while. I don't remember. What was the check for mistakes one? To just so, uh, what, uh, what you can do is it it is that it checks your your progress and it checks for any mistakes and highlights them. So you know if you've put an X for where it should be a blank and a oh. a blue block to color it in. And you can only do it once per level. It'll check the entire thing, and it will mark your mistakes. And you, you uh, but what happens is you can have a look at them. Then the minute you go to change them, they all disappear. Mm-hmm. So you kind of need to remember where the yeah. mistakes are and quickly change them. I um, just don't make mistakes, man. That's my tip. Ah, uh, is that what it is? <laughs> no, I, 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 I use it, but I try not to. But I, I've definitely used it. Yeah. I, I'll sometimes use it if I'm getting really stuck. Yeah. Um, but like you, I prefer not to use it at all. Um, and I think, is there, don't you get, uh, isn't there a, some sort of, yeah, there's like a, like there's a something that stuff. kind of, a marker, yeah, yeah, that lets you know that you used it without any hints. I yeah. think without uh, the, without the hint roulette and without any, any help whatsoever, yeah. you get a little mark. Yeah, it's still brilliant. Really enjoying it, and um, yeah, I've not done any of the. So you do the pick cross, and then there's—is it mega pick cross or super pick cross? Or? Yeah, I've not done it. Well, I did one of the mega pick cross things. Um, the what? The thing I will say is, they're all the same puzzles, uh, which is a bit of a bummer. Like all of the mega pick cross puzzles are the same puzzles as the regular pick cross ones. Um, oh, like the same uh, designs and stuff. So you're getting to them a different way, but it's the same result. If that makes sense. Oh, okay. So I wish I'd kind of known that before. Like, I don't actually like Mega Percross that much anyway, because it's Mega Percross is the one that's like it gives you rules split across multiple lines, so it's kind of harder to figure out. Yes. Know, yeah. What to do um but i don't really i don't think it's that fun the mega picross compared to regular picross uh right yeah i definitely wouldn't go through and do them now because i already know most of, well it's been long enough that i barely remember any of the puzzles i guess but you know if i had just went through all the puzzles i wouldn't want to go and do the mega picross versions because they are the same puzzles yeah it's yeah i've i've just did what uh one of the ones there as we were talking yeah it's it is the exact same puzzle mm-hmm. yeah so that's weird i oh, so you can either play it one way or the other yeah yeah no i'll skip that um <laughs> but there <laughs> there is another for anyone that's listening to this and they are, they do like picross there is another picross style game on the nintendo switch there's a couple um, most of them have demos as well, I think. 
Yeah, the, there's one, and it, is it called a uh, pick a color or pick a puzzle or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. I'm looking just now. I don't. See. Yeah, because I I played that one. Um, I had the demo for it, and it wasn't pick too bad. It's Deluxe is one of them. That's the one. Yeah, there's another one as well. Um, at least one other one. I think it's right. Ah, uh, and the 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 yes, there's a 3D one. Yeah. It's the, I think I think it's the same as the Pick a Pix Deluxe There's thing. There's Pixel Lines DX, which I think no, that's not actually. Never mind. Ignore me. Ignore me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but the the Pick a Pix has got uh, DLC as well. All right. Yeah, so it might be worthwhile uh, checking out. I've heard good things about you that know, one. I downloaded the demo, but then I never actually played it because I've still got tons of Picross to play. Yeah. So. I... I I downloaded the demo because and it was all um, holiday themed because it was at Christmas time. All right. So it was snowmen and presents and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. That's cool. Yeah. Um, slightly different, but yeah, uh, I would uh, suggest uh, picking up Picross if you're into your puzzles. Yeah, definitely. If you somehow have a switch and haven't bought Picross yet, do it. Yeah. Like me. Yeah, you mentalist. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, Kieran, speaking of the Nintendo Switch, tell us about the new game that's come out for it, God of War. Yeah, God of War for Nintendo Switch. This Nintendo series that everyone loves. No, God of War is new. PlayStation 4 game. Uh, reboot of the... Well, not really a reboot. It continues on from the end of the last game. Um, very long after the last game. So, I don't like the God of War series very much. Like, I think they're okay games, but I've never really got into them. Like, I definitely, when it came to, you know, 3D action-adventure, you know, character action games on the PlayStation 2, you know, Devil May Cry was where my heart was, you know? That kind of thing. And it should uh -huh. still be, can we get another one of those, please? Someday they will maybe make Devil May Cry 5. Who knows? They brought out that HD collection on PS4 again, so who knows? Um, but I was never I surprised like to God of War. Like, I played all of the God of War games, I think. But it was kind of just because I rented them and I rented and played through like tons of stuff. Um, they were fine. They were kind of basic hack and slashes with a kind of okay but kind of dull story. Uh, conversely, I really fucking like this new game. So, this new one is very different. So, if the most kind of obvious and like, you know, kind of instant change that you notice is that they change the camera. So, the old God of War games were that kind of isometric view. Uh, well, for the most part, isometric, but it was like fixed camera angles that would you know move around in a kind of cinematic way. This one is all uh, third-person, like, over-the-shoulder camera. So, you know, it's kind of like Resident Evil 4-ish, in a way, that kind of camera. Or actually, right. um, a better comparison, more recent than Resident Evil 4, because it's fucking ancient. Uh, Hellblade. It's basically the same camera as Hellblade. Um, to the point where, actually, even moves the camera around a lot like Hellblade did during like cutscenes and stuff like that. It's all very 
smooth like there's no cuts or anything like that it just kind of zooms out from where it was or moves around as though someone is you know filming the whole thing um and it's all very right. natural and smooth um and this one's a lot more story heavy than the previous ones have been uh like the basic gist of it like i'm not super far into it yet is kratos murdered all of the greek gods in god of war one two three and the like seven PSP games that came out, and yes, ju- judgment was judgment, Ye- or was that that was Gears of War, wasn't it? it was Gears of War judgment? Yes, I just remember at the I same time so, yeah. both the GOW games both got a fourth game that no one asked for at the same time, and they were both mediocre. <laughs> um, I can't remember <laughs> what the God of War one was, but yeah, like basically those games were all Greek pantheon of gods. Kratos was a stand-in for Hercules to start with, like he was tricked by the gods into murdering his family, but instead of doing the Hercules thing, he decided to murder all the gods, and spends a billion games murdering all the gods. This one is a lot more... It's a lot better, like... So it's... The director of this game worked on Dolder, he was the director of the older God of War games, but since then, the like the more recent thing he is known for is he made Rise of the Tomb Raider. And okay, oh, so it's not David Jaffe, no, no, it's a uh, Corey Barlog. Oh, okay, who, yeah, so he made Rise of the Tomb Raider, or you know, not the only person, games are made by massive teams of people, but you know, yes, yeah. um, and that stuff kind of shows like it's got a lot in common with that game, like, there's a lot of kind of upgrade systems and crafting stuff, kind of like that. Um, there's a lot of snow like that. Because the basic gist of this okay. one is, after wiping out the Greek gods, Kratos decided to retire to fictional Norway and, sorry, to Midgar and, uh, you know, hassle the Norse gods a bit. Because why not? Um, and he got yeah, married, of settled down, had a kid. Uh, didn't spend a lot of time with that kid, judging from how the kid treats him. But, you know, he. The stuff happens that's not quite explained. That game starts with his wife being dead and him building like a kind of cremation, you know, pyre for her. And right. going, all right, boy, we're going to take the ashes of your mother up to the top of the mountain because that's what she said she wanted to happen. Let's do that. And along the way, maybe some Norse gods are going to cause some trouble because they're not quite happy with Kratos doing things. Um, so shit goes down is what you say. Yeah, basically. And so far, like, a lot of it... A lot of the hassles... Like, the scope of it seems a lot um, more personal so far. So, like, there's definitely... There are Norse gods that show up here and there, but they're not... You know, this game is not about Kratos hunting down and killing the Norse gods, like the Greek gods in the previous games it is about him mourning his wife trying to connect with his son and trying to teach his son to look after himself because his mom isn't there to look after him anymore and kratos is a bad dad and is aware that he is a bad dad so he's like all right you gotta fucking learn (laughs) to fight yourself because because look at me i'm kratos i'm not gonna I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, 
and it's surprisingly good. Like it's a lot of the exchanges between the two are like very well written and very well acted, and there's a lot of um, it's quite funny. Like it's become a bit of a meme on the internet now already because Kratos keeps referring to the bo- to the boy as boy, like. Right, almost as though he doesn't remember his own son's name. Sometimes he's just like, <laughs> "Boy, fire and arrow at this thing." Boy, translate this, because also that's the other thing is, Kratos is like one of the uh, worst examples of immigration and progress, and you know, in the uh, in the world, like he has moved to this Midgar realm, never bothered trying to learn the language. Causes some trouble with the law. <laughs> Doesn't seem to have a job of any kind. I don't think he contributes to the economy at all. And it's like, okay, right. all right, all right, Kratos. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's. It's funny, like he doesn't speak the language, and he doesn't know much about the Norse gods either. So like, when the Norse gods start start showing up, Kratos is just like, eh, this is someone to fight, I guess. And his son's like, oh yeah, my mom told me about that person. That's you know this guy. That's. Thor's brother, and you're like, and Kratos is like, well, he's dead now. And it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, come on, Kratos. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, the combat itself is also like revamped quite a bit. Um, again, actually, kind of similar to how Hellblade did it, but a lot more. It has a lot more depth than Hellblade had, because Hellblade's combat was kind of intentionally very shallow. It was, you had a light yes, attack, yeah. a heavy attack, and, like, your light magic kind of stuff. Um, this, you have a light attack and a heavy attack, but then there's a bunch of, like, combos you can do with them. Uh, you have an axe that is, for all intents and purposes, basically Thor's hammer. You can, you know, throw it, and then you hit a button to recall it again. So you're just, like, slamming your axe into things, and then you don't have an axe for a while, so you punch some dudes. And you press triangle, and Kratos just holds his hand up, you know, like Thor would do, especially in like the Marvel movies. Definitely very inspired by the Marvel movies. Just hold his hand up and the axe will just right. fly through the air into his hand, cutting down anyone in his way. Um, it's pretty cool. It's really fun just to toss that axe around. But then, like, there's a stupid amount of depth to it because the axe has all this different combo stuff you can do, and then like a full upgrade tree to upgrade all of the moves you can do, which can all be comboed into other moves. But then you have a full set of moves to do when you don't have the axe, where you're just punching guys, um, which is a completely different set of combos, different set of attacks, um, and that's all really cool as well. So, I'm really liking it so far. Uh, a lot more than I expected to. I like the combat a lot more than the previous games in the series. I think it's a lot better. Uh, graphically, it's one of the best looking games ever which I guess you kind of expect from you know so many first party exclusives at this point because that's kind of what they do um, yeah I mean it's more what Naughty Dog does so it's kind of impressive that this isn't a Naughty Dog game you know because yeah if this was an Uncharted and I told you it's one of the best looking games ever you'd be like oh yeah it's Uncharted that's what they do that's kind of the point of Uncharted now Um. yes yeah yeah and I'm sure by the end of this year, assuming it comes out this year, if not next year, you know, The Last of Us Two will probably overtake it in the graphical oh, prestige category. But God of War looks 
stunning. Um, like if you thought like the snow effects were really impressive in Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I definitely did, they do some stuff with the snow in this that looks way nicer. Uh, there's a boss fight very early on in that game where you're like punching each other through trees and the destructibility of it's really cool and also like the trees fall into the snow and move the snow around in really you know realistic ways and there's a lot of little touches that just make it look really really pretty um so yeah definitely recommend god of war it's a damn good game and surprisingly good story cool uh mike you've been playing king oddball which i don't know what that is apart from it's a place yeah i have no game. idea yeah, so it's a PlayStation Plus game. It is coming. It's either coming to the Switch or it's already on it. I'm not hundred percent, hundred percent sure which. Uh, I was trying to look for it early and couldn't find it. Um, and surprise, surprise, it's another puzzle type game. Yay! Woo! So, <laughs> what it is this time is. You play as the character, I think, is it called King Oddball? I'm just actually starting up the, the PlayStation just to get the name. I think it is King Oddball or something Oddball, anyway. And it's basically, it's like a moon. Um, and you are, yeah, it is King King Oddball. And oh, I've seen you're basically the, yeah, it's, just that one of these casual games it was probably a mobile game to begin with as well i don't know this was made um, by the same people as tesla versus lovecraft <laughs> i is it uh ten, ten, ten tons yeah ten tons yeah um and aesthetically it actually looks quite good it, it's quite a lot of fun but basically what it is is you've uh, got this moon and um he picks a boulder he's got a tongue it's, so it's like a, a moon with a face and he's got a tongue and it picks up like a little boulder and he swings it like a pendulum and underneath there is all the inhabitants of the world that he wants to take over there's little tanks and there's helicopters and things and there may be four tanks and you've only got three rocks you always have three rocks to throw at them um, and so it's about chaining attacks and figuring out the bet, you know, when to release your stone to do various things. There's uh, little uh, explosive blocks that blow up things so it could uh, cause chain reactions and things like that. So that's what you're trying to do. Um, there is also a way to get extra rocks. So if you do a destructive combo of, say, three tanks in a row, you would get a bonus rock so you get another rock there's also silly ways you can get rocks back as well if you manage to throw the stone up in the air and hit yourself in the head you get another rock um and it's it is it's just a i'm trying to think of the best way to or the the best thing to kind of liken it to and i'm guessing like a weird angry birds maybe yeah that's kind of what i thought when i first looked at it but then like the more you look at it, it's like, the, game, the gameplay isn't anything really like Angry Birds, but yes, like, the first look at it is like, it's kind of a rinse move. It's Angry Birds in that you're throwing things at other things and physics takes over. Yes! But, yes. the way you do it is very, very different. Yeah. Um, and, that's basically it. There's, um, 
once you get to a certain point in the game, you can unlock like the replay stage, so you can go back and replay the stages. And um, what the idea then is is to try and complete the each stage with less than three rocks because they've turned one of the rocks the last one into a diamond if you keep the diamond then once you get enough of them you unlock awards and it's uh, basically in-game achievements but it's not in achievements yeah. you know like uh, trophies or um xbox live achievements and that's it really and so i played it for less than an hour and i had unlocked unlocked quite a few of them um i'm just trying to i was busy looking at something uh it's live radio for you here <laughs> and <laughs> so i have played through uh the first two i uh, so it, you get this map of the world or I'm assuming it's a map of the world and it's divided into quadrants and I have done the first two quadrants and in each quadrant there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven there's probably about ten between ten and twelve levels um, mm-hmm. because some of the things are little bits of information that's not actually a level for you to play and so I've, like I said I've done the first two quadrants and I'm a little while into the third quadrant it's a light puzzle game quite fun and uh for the good price of free on playstation plus check it out yeah i wasn't planning on like i at this point barely even actually even claim the playstation plus games unless they're sometimes super interesting like i picked up yeah no i'm the same i i'll go in and like, I picked up Mad Max and uh, things like that, but, yeah, like, I, this month was, is, like, beyond Two Souls, and I was like, don't need that. That's a bad game. Yeah. Um, I will hit the Add to Library button, I just won't download them. I usually don't even bother with that. That's the thing. Alright, so you, you don't even add them to your library anymore? I have, like, hundreds upon hundreds of games in my PlayStation 4 library. It's hard enough with the garbage sorting options you have on there to find anything as is. <laughs> I don't I don't need more games spamming up that that I'm not buying cuz I'm buying lots of games right. still. Okay, that's interesting. That's um, insane. You're getting them for nothing and all you have to do is add to library. Doesn't make them good. I'm never going to play them. Matter. They're free. I'm never going to play them. I don't play a lot of the um, good games I buy. I don't plan on yep. playing half of them either, but I claim them. I I don't need to hoard games that way. If I, you know. Yeah, you you buy enough games as it is. Exactly. Steam library's already gonna, big enough. If I'm going to hoard games, it's going to be games I actually want. It's why I stopped buying humble bundles as well. Because at a certain point, <laughs> I realized I I'm buying these bundles for one game. I might as well just pay a little bit extra and get the one fucking game because I don't care about the rest of them. Oh god, no, that's insane. You clearly have too much money if you're willing to pay more just for one game. Well, actually that's not true. Usually I just buy the one game off some shady website. But the idea is there. <laughs> <laughs> I buy it for cheap. But, but it's the one game. Um but 
yeah add it have a look um and then what you might do is uh because i think i'm pretty sure on the switch it's going to go for a couple of pound literally it's like a pound 89 or something mm-hmm. okay and you, it may be one of those that you think well i wouldn't mind paying that money to play it mobile you know play it on the go on the switch yeah that's fair yeah that's fair enough um but yeah so check it out it's a light fun so kieran you've got one more game to speak about which is part-time ufo yeah this is an actual literal mobile game uh from game freaks the creators of pokemans Pokemon. Oh, okay, yeah. So, part-time UFO... No, sorry, it's not by Game Freaks. Fuck, I'm wrong. It's uh, by HAL, the creators of Kirby. I knew it was a Nintendo franchise. Uh-huh. Um, part-time UFO is a 2D game that is basically a puzzle game. So, Mike, you're probably quite into it. Uh, where you play <laughs> as a little UFO and the main mechanic of it is basically like you know the crane games you get in like crappy arcades where you're yes. you know dropping the claw down like in you know that movie that I referenced um, it's basically that but you're instead of trying to like grab something and get it out and it's you know shitty and rigged so you drop it halfway up because that's how they make their money uh, you're picking things up and then usually trying to stack them in certain ways so for example one of the early levels in the game is uh a bunch of cheerleaders so there's a bunch of cheerleaders and they'll show you like a little there'll be a little podium in the middle of the area and a bunch of cheerleaders like lined up to the side of it and you have to use this little claw to pick up the cheerleaders and stack them on top of each other in a way that they don't fall over because of physics and they you know stand up within this area and then each level has like three different kind of special things that give you extra points basically for doing them uh, which they give you hints of just with little images on the pause screen and then once you actually finish it they specifically tell you like oh if you you know stacked these cheerleaders with the you know the one that is holding up one pom-pom at the very top of the tower then you'll get extra points or if you stack them up so that they're 3.5 meters high, you'll get extra points. If you do it within this time limit, you'll get extra points. That kind of stuff. And then it's just right, a, okay. And there's just a big series of levels where you're using this very simple like stacking mechanic in lots of unique, cool ways. Like one of the levels, uh, which is probably the hardest one that I've done so far, is a circus level. So it's like. There's like an elephant on a unicycle with a balancing beam and you have to stack five animals onto the balancing beam and the animals that show up are random and they're all different shapes and sizes. So they're really hard to stack on top of each other and then when you put one on a balancing beam it you know tips the balance to that side. So they start. Right. So if they're not you know kind of stacked properly they'll start sliding off the edge and then you have to put five more on and there's a timer the whole time going down and that one's pretty difficult but it's pretty cool uh you get money for doing these missions and doing all the extra stuff and that is used to buy little cosmetics for your ufo so your ufo to start with just looks like a little really simple ufo little dome it almost kind of actually looks like the ufo from kirby 
Um, but you can buy a diff bunch of different costumes. So mine currently has like a dog riding on the head of it. Um, which has a little bit of animation so that when you fly around real fast, the dog like wiggles around, which is kind of funny. And it's super simple, really fun. And it controls really well with the touchscreen. So I definitely recommend that one for like a nice little kind of puzzle game to play on your phone. Cool. It's a really good one. And Mike, you've been playing more puzzle games. Like yes. All them puzzle games. Like Slayaway Camp, Butcher's Cut. <laughs> yes, yes. Great so, game. Uh, uh, Slayaway Camp is great. I, I like Slayaway Camp. Yeah. So I have. Uh, we I spoke about it. I think on the last podcast before we did the the two hundred. Yeah, I think so. Y yeah, I think that's right. Um, that was when the Friday Thirteenth one came out, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I know it was just before because I, oh, I bought Butcher's Cat. Oh, yeah, you're right. Just you're right. Before. Yeah. So, I yeah i've been playing a bit more of it i have completed the first seven films so the way that uh, slayway camp does the worlds and they're themed by like movies and uh, it's pretty much what they've done is they, they do the films and they quite closely mirror the friday the 13th films because that's you know skull faces obviously jason and the the whole way the game was done and so there is i've done the first seven films i'm busy on slayway camp number eight uh and i'm nearly done on that one uh but the the one of the cool things about it is that they've got other uh other levels and it's more advanced so other movies and they're more advanced than the puzzles you get in the Slayaway Camp films. And there is a My Gory Valentine, mm -hmm. nice, which is nice. obviously a, a rough of... Uh, it's a riff on My Bloody Valentine, the, yeah. the slasher movie from the 80s that was set in the mine. Yeah. Um, and Skullface is wearing a miner's hat and he's got the mask and everything. It's quite cool. And then there's uh, the other one is that I've unlocked is Slayaway Camp Hell Camp. Um, and they're really, you know, really advanced puzzles, quite difficult. So I've tried one or two of them, but then I went back and I thought I'll play all the the other films first. But there's one on on here, and it's called Faces of Killed Three. So if you if you know your slasher films and your horror films, especially from the days back in uh, VHS tape and things where maybe a film was banned. So back in the days, of the video nasties and things, there would be horror films that you wouldn't be able to get in the country for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. And you could buy these or get your hands on these compilation tapes. And sometimes it was just, you know, the best of Jason or the best, the best of Freddy. And it was a compilation of all the kills that the character did from all the films. YouTube and so YouTube. what, yes. <laughs> so what the faces of killed is, is so you've both played Slayway camp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, you, you do the puzzle and once you've completed the objective of the puzzle, you've got Skullface to the, the portal and he's disappeared and the level's completed. There's the 
it's a little quick time event where there's a sliding bar and you need to get it within a certain area so he can kill the character. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm okay. talking about? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Faces of Killed is just a series of these. It's just the quick time events over okay. and over. You need to stop it in the right bit. <laughs> but what it does is it gives you the in-game currency because the in-game currency is what you used in the the butcher's cut anyway it's what's used to buy the hints of the game mm-hmm. so Kieran on the last podcast when we were talking about this I was explaining that if you get stuck in the game you can buy a hint and for like 25 coins and for 25 coins the hint will say maybe you should kill this character first or yeah. don't kill everyone till you've turned off the lights something like that to give you a hint on how to do the level yeah. If you need a further hint for an, for 100 coins, it will play through the entire thing in um, in fast forward, you know, like an old VHS tape, and it shows you the solution. You can go back and watch it as many times as you want, and it allows you to get onto the next level. But how? So how you normally get the the in-game currency is by completing levels, but a good chunk of it comes from that little quick time event. Mm-hmm. And if you just play Faces of Killed, you can rack, uh, just by um, doing those, you can rack up a good fair amount of coins. Um, and it also has this little mechanic, it's a bit like the Endless Runners, and what was the one that the like Frogger clone? Uh, uh, Crossy, Crossy Road. Crossy Road. Yeah, because Fro- Crossy Road counted how many times you'd, cr- uh, you know, how many times you'd crossed. Yeah. So faces have killed counts how many times you've done the quick time event. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you know, uh, one, two, three, four, and you've you've killed ten people, and that's worth so many coins, and you get the coins added to your basket. Um, you can buy other things. You can buy different skins for Skullface, the character. You can buy. Um, uh, it's like um, specialized kills that then will play at random points throughout the game. Um, yeah, uh, just a cool little way to get the in-game currency. It's because sometimes there's so much you can buy with the in-game, in-game currency, but it gets to a point where, you know, the levels uh, ramp up in difficulty and unless you spend hours and hours perfecting everything in the game, you're never going to be able to unlock everything. Mm-hmm. But here in Slayway Camp, go and play the the silly little quick time game for a, you know for a couple of minutes, and you get the in game currency. I think it's a really smart idea. It it's you know there's still the whole thing about you need to be good to get everything, but there's also a little way around it. You don't have to be as good, and it lets you see everything and gets all the in jokes. Uh, cool. Really smart game. Still yeah. enjoying it and highly recommended as well. That's right. Have you played much more um, of the free version that they put out for Friday the 13th? I, I played the first two movies. I've heard it gets a bit free to play the more you play it. Ah, uh, right. Um, yes, yeah. But I've not played enough so of it what... to actually really you know, know myself. Yeah, what happens is because it wants you to, it's kind of like a leveling up system. Mm hmm. And once you get so far, it says, um, you know, we'll give you double the 
double the experience points to level up if you watch this video. And yet, so mm. it is, it's definitely the free to play. And it'd rather be, I would have rather said, let me give you three quid. Let me give you, you know, three yeah. pound, unlock it, and I can play it like like I can do the butcher cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they'll ever do that. I don't know if they'll just add that in at one point. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, but it's it's a shame. But it it is the you know the, just watching the the opening movie for the first uh, for the Friday the Thirteenth one, it is quite cool. But yeah, Butcher's Cut definitely. I would recommend that one. The free to play one, it's nice to see, but I went straight back to the Butcher's Cut. Yeah. So and if nothing else, like tells if you, you something. If you haven't played them, it's a good way to get an idea for the gameplay. I yeah, yes. I think I'm probably gonna pick it up for um, a playing game because I'm gonna be stuck in flights for like twelve hours. So. Yeah. Right, Paul. There is a shit ton of content in here. Yeah, uh, um, you're. I was sold on it already, but you're convincing me even more that it's going to be a solid, <laughs> solid investment of money to keep me busy. Or for a twelve-hour yeah. flight, you could pick up Kirby and then sleep for six hours. <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> it's a so... middle of the day flight. I am not. Oh, I really like that Kirby game, but man, it is short. <laughs> Yeah, so I picked up one more game. Um, so I'd uh, traded in some stuff in our uh, friendly local CEX and I picked up a copy of Super Bomberman R for the Switch. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's yes. quite neat. Um, it's Bomberman. Uh, I'm not going to spend ages talking about what Bomberman How is. How do you play Bomberman? Um, What's, what's this Bomberman you speak of? Yeah, you're both taking a piss now. Is he a terrorist? <laughs> yes, that's what it is, yes. It's Al-Qaeda the game. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to get some letters about that one. Yeah, um, we definitely are. <laughs> so, uh, Super Bomberman R has a story mode. Um, the story is... The story and the animations in it reminds me... Uh, a bit like the story mode in Puyo Puyo Tetris. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of same cutesy, you know, Jap- Japanese animation style. That's cool. Um, and the voice acting is just as daft, and the story is just as silly, you know. And, um, but this one seems to be the voice acting is a, a bit more. Th- th- there's more quality to the voice acting in this than there is in the, the Puyo Puyo Tetris. Um, I'll not have you disrespecting Puyo Puyo the, the Tetris. Game, yes, uh, Glitch Free Gaming's Game of the Decade. Yeah. The game of um, every generation. <laughs> yes. So, the the story mode is takes place, I think it's across ten levels. I've played five of them so far. Um, and it's to do with all the different uh, bomber men and they're fighting a big baddie this story's inconsequential it's just to get you onto the different levels and things uh there is obviously the versus the battle mode um and there is a shop so you can buy in-game things yes um 
which is quite cool as well. So uh, first they brought the game out to the Switch and people kind of went, yeah, it's a full-price game, but there isn't a lot of content in there. Um, con- is Konami in this one? Yeah. Uh, Konami have yeah. been supporting the game really well. They brought out uh, an entire new mode for it, which wasn't uh, in the first game. It's called the Grand Prix mode. All right. So the Grand Prix mode is it's basically a, a souped up uh, multiplayer mode. Okay. Okay. Um, and it's like a, it's basically it's the online mode where you can play bomb man online against other people and you can take place in various events there's power ups there's uh, you can basically customize your character before you go in give them powers they if, if you play the game enough you can unlock uh, power ups to use at your will during matches and things like that i'm not 100% sure how it works i haven't played it but there's a little intro video mm-hmm. and it's a a bit like the story mode and there's this thing that goes on and then just before you play the game there's a something you can read that tells you how exactly what grand prix mode is um it seems quite involved as well so you know that's quite cool um but going when you play the standard mode and you go into the shop and things uh one of the things that they've done is you can buy different bomber men you know different characters uh and at the moment you can buy one of the characters i can't get it on my game at the moment but it's uh, one of the characters from do you remember the weird racing game called uh, sorry the re- weird fighting game from konami called uh, rumble roses yes 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 that the weird wrestling if not a little bit perverted <laughs> yeah a little just a wee bit yeah yeah, yeah. so you can get um uh Raikou or rico um, as a bomber man, you can. There's other characters from other franchises. There's Simon Belmont, bomber man, mm-hmm. that you can unlock uh, by. There's a Vic Viper bomber man. I'm not 100 percent sure where he's from. Uh, there's pi- probably from Pyramid Head. Mm-hmm. Nice. Vic Viper pi- from Gradius. Ah, there's a Pyramid 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 Head. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a duty okay, bomber. Yeah. So it looks like a f- uh, there's an Anubis bomber. Uh, they look like mechs. Uh, they're and from Zone of the Enders. Ah, Zone of the Enders. And then there's a Dracula bomber, and he's obviously from Castlevania. Yeah. So there's cool little things like that you can do. There's other ones that you can buy as well that I haven't bought. You can also customize the you know the little bubble on Bomberman's head. Yeah. At, uh, yeah, so you can replace that with all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Um, it's just a silly little thing that you can do. You can play through the game, you know, earn more in-game currency and get that. Um, the levels themselves, the way they look, uh, it's more an isometric view. I will say that Bomberman, uh, Super Bomberman R plays better on your TV than it does in the handheld because you need the big screen yeah okay. uh there was there was performance issues in handheld mode but the, the the patch one of the patches fixed it and i didn't notice anything but apparently it was quite um jittery when it yeah. first 
the frame rate. I played yeah. it before that patch came out, and the frame rate, in particular, right. when you had like, we had like four people crowded around a handheld switch, which for starters not a great way to play that game. Um, yeah, it was rough. Frame rate was rough, but yeah, it seemed it's, I've heard they've fixed it quite a bit since then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, the only negative that I'd probably have about it is still the one about the price. I still think it's a, a hell of a lot of money, but I had, you know, I traded stuff in for it, so it was essentially I'd spent the money on other games and things, and I was this is my second chance at that money, if that makes any sense. So yeah. that was fine, but I would, I don't think I'd walk in with my cold hard cash and pay full price for the game. That's fair. It yeah. seemed kind of expensive um, to me, which was the main thing for me. Yes. Yeah, that's it. It is. Um, well, you you know it is expensive when Kieran says something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Did I mention yeah. that I bought the big version of Yakuza 6 that comes with two classes? <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't. Well, you didn't on the podcast, no. They're very nice. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's as for video games, I think. Um, have we got some board games to talk about? Yes, we have a handful. Um, should we start with the one that all of us played? A little bit of a yep. Uh, yeah. I guess but there's a couple here we all played. But uh, the big one, Fiasco. We all played Fiasco last week. Or not last week. Last podcast, which was like seven, <laughs> seven weeks ago. A month and a half yes, ago. Yes, we did, yeah. Um yeah i really i really enjoyed it i've played fiasco before though i was wondering what you guys thought of it what you had um, a time. yeah i i really liked it so i've played kind of story storytelling games before um i think we've all played gloom yeah yep yeah yep uh which is quite good um there's uh tales of the arabian nights uh, which I think I'm the only one of us that have played that. Yeah. Uh, that's good fun as well. But the story's already written down. It, you know, there's no interaction from you. You're just basically making choices, and because of those choices, you create a story, and it will be different every time that you mm-hmm. play. Um, this this was really cool because it's uh, you know it's a lot of improv and stuff like that. And it, I. I did like playing it with you guys because we've known each other for that long and I think you know we we kind of know how all of each of us think yeah. so when you started yeah. the stories you you kind of knew where they were um when you started the scene Kieran I knew where you were trying to edge me towards yeah and yeah. uh I did it to Paul and Paul knew where you know he knew more or less what I was trying to get out of it and he would just play yeah. into it mm-hmm. um so I think it is it's if it's a group of friends that everyone knows each other well, I think you're going to have a better story. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I I really liked it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm much the same. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved the um, kind of improv RPG aspect of it, of building your own story, and you're basically in control of what you experience and how you experience it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd, uh, on the back of that, I had went out and uh, I was in, you know, our, our friendly local game store and rooting about and I ended up picking a copy of the, the main 
the game book up for for myself um, because there's a friend of the show, Tam, who's been on uh, once or twice. Uh, you know, we play board games with um, Tam and his, his, his wife and uh, they're role players as well. So I thought that'd be good for, you know, something new for us all to, to play and try as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so much so that I picked up uh, some of the scenario books as well, just for shits and giggles because the, the friendly local game store had them going quite cheap. Nice. So I picked up some of those. So I have more... Uh, we have more fiasco scenarios than we can shake a stick at, so we We're can sorry. play. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Especially given they're so we... replayable, so it's like a thing where yes, you know, there's no reason we yeah, have to yeah. do it. Like they're so vague and they're kind of they're made to be played multiple ways because you roll dice at the start to figure out different elements of yes. them. Yes. So yeah, um, yeah. I I just. I just like the idea of that every time you play it, it's going to be a different type of film. Oh, yeah, I definitely. You know, yeah. You know, so you can, it's going to be in the Wild West or it's going to be in space or, you know, it's yeah. It's going to be like a heist or it's going to be, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah very, very enjoyable. It was good fun. And I think we should um, we should do a couple more for for the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Definitely something I'm into. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Excellent. Uh, so, the the next one, uh, I played Dinosaur Island again. You still enjoying um, that one? Yes, I am, uh, very much. So, uh, the there was a Kickstarter recently for the expansion to Dinosaur Island called Totally Liquid. It's adding more dinosaurs, uh, a fifth player, and all sorts of modular goodies you can add in. And there is also a two-player version of... It's... Yeah, it's a bit like there was a Seven Wonders Duel, which was a two-player version of Seven yeah. Wonders. This is a two-player version of Dinosaur Island called Julesaur Island. Um, so I backed that as well, and just... I, I, it is, it's really bad. Um, <laughs> but it, see, when you see the packaging and everything that they've got in the moment, because it's all 80s themed and thing. Uh, sorry, not 80s, 90s, it, the bad pun kind of works. Yeah. Um, if it was done with modern day artwork and things like that, you'd, it wouldn't work. But they've went, they've intentionally made it that bad and that cheesy. So, yeah, it's. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, playing Dinosaur Island again at the weekend was really good. Enjoyed it. Um, I didn't win. So this is the first time that I've played it and I didn't win. Uh, and, yeah, it was, it was just as good. Um, and one of the biggest... I think we spoke about this the last time was uh, one of the biggest criticisms I've read about the game and that there is about is the you know that it says that the person in the who is the first player has a massive advantage and I have I never thought this I thought um, that it doesn't yeah it does matter because you get the you get to choose everything mm -hmm. there um, but I don't think it's as big as an, an advantage as some people make out. Yeah. Um, but then they've they've got the the catch up mechanic as well, where the person who is in last place becomes the first player. And uh, for the entirety of the game, 
that we played, I started first just to show um, the way that we played the last time when I played with you, Kieran. I was the first player just to show everyone basically how the game works. Yeah. And uh, somebody uh, were playing with a friend of ours, Emmy, and Emmy took the lead straight away. She streaked away. She had an idea of what she was doing, and so she was getting the points on the board very quickly. And as a result, uh, you know, a couple of the other players were following her and what she was doing. I went on a different path, and I ended up in last place. I was the first player for the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> I never got to a point where I got points on the board. Um, and I think we found that when we played as well. I think... Um, <laughs> You know, that there was always someone that was always in last place, so they were always the first player. And I mm-hmm. think that switched between you and me when we played. Yeah. Um, but this time it was it was me all the way. I never got there. I ended up coming second in you know, in the final scoring. So yeah, I still really like the game. Very still very, very fiddly to set up. It took me an hour to set it up and uh, explain to everyone how to play the game so set up any explanations for people not playing the game before was an hour we played a medium game and i think the game itself was two hours so the box is right when it says between 90 minutes and two hours to play a game uh but it is it's just that setting up and tearing down because there's so many fiddly bits um so many boards yes yeah yep so many boards all the dinosaurs those amazing metal coins um yeah and people were walking past going no i I don't want to play that anymore it looks so complicated it's like (laughs) it's not honestly i promise you it's not complicated it's super um simple well not simple but it's it's not quite i wouldn't put it up like next to you know scythe or something in terms of or like euphoria in terms of really complex games that just have really good UI to streamline how easy it is to actually play them, but it's close. It's it's Yeah, yeah. I think those two are just you know some of our games have kinda of got they've nailed some aspects that other games have not quite got to yet of hey we make super complicated games but Yes. Look at this board in front of yeah, you yeah. and it tells you how to play it. You're done. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, really liking it still. Um, so that was good. Uh, Kieran, do you want to tell us about? Or you've got a couple of oink games to tell us about. Yeah. So do you want to tell us about one? I don't think we spoke about before on the podcast, which is Inner Grove. Yeah, sure. So Inner Grove is one of the few oink games that I don't actually own yet, but I will eventually. <laughs> I'm trying to buy them all. Um, but Inner Grove is basically a really simplified deduction game, I guess. Like you're trying to figure out. Yeah. There's there's a handful of cards that are shaped like humans, and everyone gets one of them to start with, and then there's a couple. Or I think. I don't know if it depends on the number of players, but there's three in the middle and then one laying down in the middle as well, which is like someone who has been killed and you have to figure out which of the three people did it. And each of these little people have a number on the back of them and basically the highest number out of the three next to the body is the one that did it. And the way you do this is to start with, everyone 
you know, gets one of these, so you look at the number on that, and then you pass it to the person on your right, and you look at the one you've got now, so you basically know two of the numbers that are definitely not there. And the numbers are between, I think it's like 1 and 7 or something? I forget, 1 and 8. Um, and also there's a blank one. And then when it's your turn, you can look at two of the cards in the middle and look at the number of them, and then you can put a token down to say which one you think is the one that did the murders based on numbers that you know and the numbers that are in the middle. Uh, the one kind of twist to, or the two kind of twists to this being if one of the numbers of the three in the middle is a five, then it's the lowest number that did the murder, not the highest number. The other twist is when you, when it comes to your turn to look at the cards, you can't look at the one, well, you can't look at the one that the previous person guessed. Or is it, oh no, you can't, yeah. you can't, yes. yeah, so you can't look at the one the previous person guessed, so if the if the person before you guessed the card, the, like the third card, the one that they didn't look at, then you just get to look at the same ones as them, you have a similar level of information to work with to figure it out. Uh, it's fun, it's really simple, and I really enjoyed it. You basically go through... What was it? The, I thought the scoring mechanism was a bit weird. That was maybe my one issue with it. Because it's like if you... What, if you uh, predict it's the same one as someone else predicts it is, then you put your token on top of their one and you get both yeah. of them if you're wrong. Uh, but flipped yes. over. And if you get a certain number of... Or basically if you have all duds... All flipped over tokens or no tokens at all left, then you lose, I believe is right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, which I thought that was a bit weird, but overall I really enjoyed it. It's like a really simple game, really easy to pick up and play. Uh, a smart little way of doing that kind of deduction stuff. Yeah. Kind of as you It was really fun. And it, like all oink things, like comes in a tiny box, looks really pretty. You know, it's... One of those games that you look at straight away and you're like, okay, that is a unique thing. That is, you know, there's nothing else that looks like that. Yeah. Um, do you want me to just do the other Oink game just now then as well then? And then we'll... Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So the other, yeah, Oink game, well the other Oink game that I played, which we've played before and talked about on here before, was Deep Sea Adventure because I didn't own it, so I bought it. And arrived at my office at work, and we played it at lunch. And cool. That game's still great. That's just Deep Sea Adventure. Still, in a lot of ways, like the most uh, kind of like gamey of Oink games stuff. Like, yes. well, me maybe not actually, because Modern Art is straight up just a smaller version of a big box game. Um, but like it's still the one that you look at instantly and you're like, oh, that's a board game. You know, when people are playing it, if you walk past the, a table, you'd be like, that's a board game. In a grove, you'd be like, that's, what the fuck is that? You know, yes, yeah. fake, fake artists, you'd be like, oh, you're playing Pictionary. And you'd be like, you fuck off and die. This is <laughs> Pictionary. Um, Deep Sea Adventure that's is... I'm calling it Pictionary from now on. <laughs> Deep Sea Adventure is um, it's such a cool game as well. Like, it's... 
you have a little submarine that everyone starts in and a row or a big kind of winding path of tiles that uh, I can't remember, I think there's like eight of each tier, so there's like tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, and the further down you get, the higher possible value that those tokens have. And right. you want to basically during your turn you'll roll dice, or you'll, sorry, first before you roll dice you'll decide whether you're going down or if you're going up. And once you start going up you can't start going down again. So, once you go down you roll dice, move down that number of tiles, and you have the choice to either pick up that tile or just leave it. If you pick up that tile, then you get that value of points at the end if you make it back to the submarine holding that tile. But every yeah, turn... because you're not you're not allowed to look at the back, the bottom of that tile yes. until you get to the back. The, yeah. Yes. Exactly. And. But then there's also downsides to holding a tile as well, because if you're holding a tile, then every time you roll dice going forward, you have to take one off for every tile you have. So yes. if you're carrying three of them, and there's two dice you roll, but both the dice are only, are, they're six-sided, but they have duplicates, so it's only one to three. So the highest you can roll is a six. So if you're carrying three bits of treasure, basically, you will... You'll know, only be able to roll. You'll only be able to move a maximum of three spaces at any given turn, and that's assuming you roll perfectly every single time, which you will not, because yep. that's not how dice work. Um, <laughs> and the other nice little thing is, if you if there's someone in front of you on a space that you should land on, you jump over them, and that counts as one movement. So, in a full game, so we had four, five people playing. I think it goes up to six. We had five i think yeah five um like it to start with at the very least you'll have a bunch of people clumped up and so you'll just be like okay well i move one but i jump like four spaces because everyone's gathered up here and you end up getting really deep real quickly but then also if you're the last person to turn back then other people might be making it back to the submarine before you and you won't have anyone to leap over to get back and if you're carrying treasure in particular you're going to be really struggling to get back up to the submarine because that's the other thing is you have a shared oxygen supply and at start of every turn the oxygen goes down depending on the amount of treasure you're holding so if you're carrying a bunch of treasure again you're using up more oxygen and basically killing everyone uh, including yourself which is a neat little mechanic and the same thing happened to me on the I think I've only played the before with uh, you Mike but same thing happened to me on our first round that happened in that one, which I assume just happens in the first round of every time you play Deep Sea Adventure to kind of teach everyone, which is everyone drowned in the first round. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone drowned in the first round because they didn't quite get it, and then they're like, oh, okay, that's why we care about the oxygen. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yes. That's, that's why I care. And also people were like, I think the way that that game works is super, super smart because of how visual it is and teaching kind of things like that so every time you pick up a tile you replace it with a empty tile and then after yes. everyone drowns or gets back to the submarine or you know, basically after a round ends you take all of those empty tiles out and then you just kind of mush up the spaces you got all the other tiles just come up and meet it you don't arrange them back into the order of tiers you just 
fill in the spaces by moving them up. So uh-huh. the better treasure comes closer to the ship, basically. And everything else, everything that got dropped by people sinks to the bottom. Which means it's in piles, so if you get to the bottom you might be able to pick up more than one thing. But also, you know, it's, it might not necessarily all be good value stuff because someone might have just picked up a bunch of stuff at the top and then drowned. So it's kind of a, it's all risk reward the whole game, which is really good. But I think in particular that mechanic of you removing the empty tiles and everything moving up was something that I think is really smart because the first thing that someone asked me like once we finished that first round and everyone drowned was it seems really impossible to ever get stuff from the bottom of the the ocean. How would you do that? And I was like, well, you do this. Yeah. And then I just like pulled out all the empty ones, pushed it up, and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> That's how that works. Um it's such a cool little game. It's so smart. It is one of my favorite Oink games. Um, although I say yeah, that about definitely. most of Oink games, but it's up there. Um, I think Fake Artist is still my favorite just because it's so simple, so good. And there's something about opening up a board game box and it just being filled with felt-tip pens that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I think uh, I do think uh, Deep Sea Adventure is one of my my favorites that they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely up there for me. Um, I still need to play Star Ops though. I need to play. I picked up Modern Art as well, which Mike will talk right. about the the real yes. version of Modern Art soon. But because um, <laughs> I've not actually played it because it's all in German, so I need to get a real translation <laughs> for that. Uh, I just wanted the Link one because it comes in a tiny box and has a little wooden easel that you put the cards on. So yes, that's pretty yeah. good. But now I want that Korean yeah. one that I sent you the other day as well now, Mike. Oh, yeah. The, there is... are some really stunning versions of it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, modern... Yeah. So, well, we should talk about modern yeah, art yeah. quickly then. Let's do modern art. So, modern art is... A, it's a Rainer Nietzsche game as well. Um, and it is... It's quite an old game that he did, but it, uh, it got a reprint... A couple of years ago from Cool Mini or not, and then there was, I forget the company that did the Korean version, yeah, and then uh, Oink Games so. did a version exclusively for Germany and Austria. Yeah. Originally exclusively for uh, Essenspiel, and then they did reprints. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the, the the version that I have is the, the Simon reprint, because they have the, the, the international rights to the game at the moment. Um, and the game, it's a, it's an, it's a bidding game. It's an auction game. So the idea of the game is that we are all owners of a gallery, and what we're trying to do is we're buying paintings, buying and selling paintings, and trying to get as much money as we can from them. And the one, the person at the end of the entire game with the most money wins. Mm-hmm. Um, in the game there are five different artists and there's a deck of cards and in this deck of cards there's uh, you know, five different artists and there's one of their paintings and in each of the versions of the game it's real life modern artists or just artists and it's their real life works of art put on these cards um, so on each of the cards as well as it's got uh, the painting then the the name of the painting the artist's name but there's also symbols of them so what happens is you get dealt a hand of cards uh, at the first you get 10 cards 
and on your turn you will auction off a painting and uh, there's different types of auctions in the game um, depending on each card has a symbol on it and uh, the symbol tells you which type of auction you would do for this card so there's the open auction which is the the, au the type of auction and bidding that you all know about, you know, where you say, I'm going to auction off this card and let's start the the, the bidding at $10. Uh, Paul says 10 Kieran says $15. Um, the auctioneer can bid on his own stuff as well. Um, so I, I say 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, and at one point going once, going twice, sold. So you can do that, the open type of auction. Yeah. You can also do the closed auction, the secret auction, where everyone puts money in their hand and it's closed, closed fist, and then you go one, two, three, open up your hands, and whoever's got the most money wins the auction. Mm -hmm. There's also the one-time auction. So the way that works is that uh, the... It starts clockwise uh, from the the auctioneer, and you get one bid. You know, so it's me to go. I say I'm betting ten. Kieran doesn't want it, so he passes. Paul says it's twenty. Twenty wins. Yeah. You know. So you don't get to bed up after. No, that. you don't. No. You put your maximum. Bid you know, in, so basically. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't gazump anyone. There is also the. The other bidding that you can do is, uh, depending on the cards, is a fixed price auction. So what happens there is the auctioneer, he is the, the he sets the price. He says for this painting the price is twenty thousand, um, and if nobody but if somebody buys the card, that's fine. If not, then the auctioneer has to buy the card. So it's one of those where you may want the card for yourself, so you want to price it, you know, at a price nobody else will pay, but you'll pay for it. Or um, you need to be careful not to, you know, not to put too high a price on it because then you have to pay out your own money for it. Yeah. Um, then the final one, there might be another one, I can't remember, but there's another type of card and it's called the double auction. What the double auction does is when you play that card, you, you're you going to sell that painting, So, but you're going to sell another painting as well, and you have to play another card from the same artist, but it can be your choice of you know, the auction, so you'd make sure that you pick a card that you was two fixed-priced auctions. You know, mm -hmm. it's a fixed priced auction for these two cards, or we're going to do an open auction for these two cards. Um, so, the, the one more thing that you need to know about the bidding as well is that uh, when an auctioneer sells a painting, if somebody else buys the painting, they pay the auctioneer. You get the money because you've sold it. If you buy your own painting, you pay that money to the bank. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, that's it. And then the rest of the game is really about set collection because what happens is there's after a, a, something happens in the game, after a certain amount of paintings get sold, um, the game stops, the round ends, and what you do is you, you rank the artists, the five artists, in terms of popularity, in terms of the number of of their cards that have been played, that have been sold. 
um, and you rank them, there's a, you know, first, second and third. And what it is, is uh, the first one, it's three chips, 10, 20 and 30. So the person that's got the most cards gets uh, the 30 chip, the person in second gets the 20 and the person in third gets the 10. And what that is, is that is the price of their paintings. Mm -hmm. So that means the person that was the most popular, whoever had, uh, when you sell your those paintings at the end of the round, let's say you've got three cards, three times 30 is 90, so you get 90. Um, or, you know, you've only got one of the most popular, so you only get 30. Um, so you, you get all your money, and that's you ready for the next round. And you can then use that money to buy other paintings, and basically what you're trying to do over the course of three rounds is um, you, you're trying to uh, boost the popularity of certain art, uh, artists because what happens in the next round, if they've got a 30 chip and a 20 chip in their popularity and they're directly underneath each other, so round one and two, not round one and three, um, then their paintings would be worth 50 Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah so you're basically you're trying to make sure that you have it um the cards of the artist is most popular at the end of each round and that's really it but it's quite involved yeah because like um, the, the game... most popular artist changes based on what cards you're getting so exactly yes exactly yeah that's it um really really smart game fantastic bidding action uh we played it and it did we played in about an hour i think uh i think we stretched it out a little bit because we were having that much fun with it as well um because the 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 time limit in the game says when you've sold five paintings of one particular artist then the round ends you do the cleanup and then you move on to the next round but we were getting to the point um it's open information so you can see what cards have been bought who owns what Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that's closed information is your money. You're not. You don't show anyone how much money you have. Um, so you know because that's the driving force of the game. Yeah. And um, but uh, yeah, we we were getting to the point, and we could see oh, there's four of that artist, there's uh, three of that artist sold, and we were actually stretching it because we want you know. I'm not going to end it right now, but you could end it, end it if you wanted because the minute the fifth card comes out of one, you don't even do the auction on it. It just finishes the round. It's, you know, that's it. It's done. Um, but we were stretching it out. We were going, right, that's the fourth card out. I'm not going to play a fifth card. Um, and just having a lot of fun with it. Really, really smart game. Um, and I'm, uh, I said to Kieran you know, uh, offline that uh, I am going to source a, a copy of the, the Oink Games version as well because it's one of those games that I wouldn't mind having two copies of it. Yeah. The the Simon the version is absolutely stunning as well, really nice in its own right. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, and it comes with this... Uh, the rule book is... The rules for the game are... You can fit on three pages. Um, the rule book that you get with the Simon version is i think it's a 15 page art book yeah so the other 12 pages are an art book and it's uh it gives you details of all the artists featured in the game Which is and really it gives cool. you you know yeah it's really really smart i like the presentation of that game um yeah really good also like the all different versions of that game use different artists that are kind of 
in some cases more yes. regional. So like, there's a Chinese version of the game that has a bunch of Chinese artists. Like we said earlier, there's a Korean one that has a bunch of Korean artists. Yeah, it's smart. Um, yeah, the, the the Korean version has it's got uh, sort of Asian Korean artists and things, but it also has classic masters. So you've got Munch in there, you've yeah. got Van Gogh and things like, and that is a really gorgeous looking version of the game as well. It comes with a wooden gavel. Yes, <laughs> this imprint, which is a shame because I want that one, but I guess just need to go Korea yeah. and see if I find it. Yes. Maybe maybe we'll um, get lucky with the Oink version. Maybe they'll have it at UK Games Expo. Maybe they'll bring a couple of well, copies. Yeah, they might. So you can, if anyone's listening to this, uh, you can buy it through Amazon in Germany. Um, but uh, we are going to UK Games Expo. So I'm going to hold off uh, in the hope that they've got it there and I'll just pick yeah. it up there. A handful um, of um, UK games uh, companies have... Um, Imported it, yeah. Imported as well. Uh, I forget what's the card game company. It's Fire something. Uh, Firestorm cards. Uh, Firestorm. Firestorm have copies of it, um, which are yeah. okay price. Like they came to about the same as what it cost me to import it from Germany. Like a, it was maybe a little bit cheaper to go through Amazon, but not much. So. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's it. Um. I played one more game, and I'm going to explain this very, very quickly because we're running <laughs> wrong. Um, it's called The Chameleon. Okay, now, The Chameleon is a word game. It's a social deduction game. A, quite similar in vein to some of the social de- deduction games we like from Oink, so a little bit fake artist and a little bit uh, insider. Mm-hmm. So this one is... Um, there's a grid of words in front of you. Um, and uh, it may be, you know, types of types of film, and it's the there's horror, action, superhero, romantic, comedy, things like that. Okay, um, and what happens is you roll a dice, you roll two dice, um, and one of them will be is letters, so A B C D E F, and the other one is a six sided die one through to six uh-huh. so you're basically rolling a result that says uh, a1 b2 things like that yeah. and what you do is you take the result of that die and you refer to a chart and what the chart then t- points you to which word in the grid is the secret word for this round so but what happens is if you're playing with a, a four-player game three people get the chart and one person gets the the card that says you are the comedian. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what the word is, and you're trying to blend in. Um, so okay. that we've played various games like this. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds um, kind of like it does sound like a mix of fake artist and insider, because that's like how insider decides what its word is, but then giving yes. it to everyone instead of just one person like fake artist. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then what happens is once everyone's got the secret word. You go around the table, and uh, you're only allowed to say one word. You you can only say one word as a clue, and uh, the idea is you're trying to be as vague as possible, but you're also trying to let everyone else know mm-hmm. that you know what the secret word is. Yeah. Uh, and then 
after that you all have a discussion and you discuss the answers you say well I think it's him because his word was a bit vaguer than everyone else's and then you do a vote one two three you all point to the same person um, if you identify the you know the chameleon then everyone else wins except if the chameleon can tell you what the word is then he wins yeah sounds very much like insider doesn't it yeah. and fake or artist fake artists, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. this game sounds pretty good, but wouldn't it be a lot better if you were drawing the thing rather than saying a word? <laughs> so, it, it's really good. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it, but I wouldn't buy it because I've already got Insider and I've got Fake Artist. Yeah. Would you um, recommend it, it if, you, if, you... if someone didn't own both of those? Which one do you think you would recommend? Um. Oh... Uh, I would recommend that you buy a fake artist and uh, insider because they are two tiny little boxes that you can fit in your pockets yeah. and uh, the chameleon comes with this huge box Okay. and that is that. that's probably the only reason that's a good reason uh, I also yeah, think I just like the idea of drawing more than the word part I, but I can also no I it is it was it is fun uh it is fun but it is quite i think it's quite pricey as well i don't think it's you know cheap um it's i'm just doing a, a quick search for it as well um and it's um 30 quid on amazon uh, yeah it's th it's 30 pounds you can get a fake artist and insider for less yeah fake artist is 13 quid as own yeah 20 with prime um yeah so i would definitely go as it's also it's a bias because of the oint games and <laughs> you know how I feel about the Oint games as well. Uh, but yes, it is a very good game. I would check it out um, and play it. If you like the kind of the word aspect more than drawing, then probably go with that one. But for every other reason, if you weren't bothered whether it was drawing or, uh, you know, or wordplay, then I would I'd give it to Fake Artist. Yeah. Just because of the presentation and everything else. So, yeah, that's it for board games as well, I think. Yeah. Board games! Board games! Board games! Uh, cool. Uh, we don't have... Have we got any news? Nah, fuck the news. Nah, fuck the news. Fair enough. It's um, not fake news anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no big news. So... <laughs> so, I am... I'm just looking um, at the new releases as well. I'm just conscious that we're running late. So there's not much. So looking for releases coming out the 11th of May, there's nothing worth mentioning apart from maybe Conan Exiles. Yeah, the game's comes out. right. Pills are yeah, returned. Yeah, it's supposed bad. to be good. Yeah, there's Deadfire, which I think is DLC for it. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, the week after is the week so, we're really looking forward to because that's where yes, Little Witch yep. Academia comes out, and everyone's excited for that. <laughs> oh yes, of course. It's gonna be yeah, I'm hype <laughs> as hell. Speaking of Netflix anime uh, games, yeah, yeah. Trailblazer. Yeah. 
Trailblazers comes out. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of stuff this month. It's... Yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's good things coming out. So no doubt we'll talk about them then. But until then, I think the only thing left to do is thank everyone for uh, tuning in, listening to our drivel. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And uh, we will see you next week then. Bye. See ya. See ya.